Fuck you, Victor Kai. No way. <laughs> <laughs>
it's a game by game decision, right? Based on whether or not you do all the side quests or just don't. If they're like BS, a lot of times like, nope, the story's awesome. Forget all this nonsense. Some games like Horizon uh, Zero Dawn, I definitely wanted to do the side quests because they seemed cool. They were like a part of the story. I would get stuff, you know, that, like, so it's a game by game decision here. Absolutely love them. So we beat the story. I'm glad to be done with that because it was a cool story. But I'm also excited to go back now. And, you know, we raise the world here. So enemies are much more difficult now. But we'll get even higher level gear than was possible. And we'll continue to level up for the end game. Um, So I'm excited to actually go through, do all that stuff. And then, like, separate to that, they have seasons. Which, like, seasons in PvP games make sense. Battle Royale games make sense. I'm like, how are they doing a season here? But after you complete the campaign, since we just did, we've unlocked unlock the seasonal content which you have to create a new character for but it's like all this like your map is still there but like all this new shit has just happened and like all these brand new types of events and things are going on now that you can only access and this new content with this new character and this so it's it's very fascinating because on one hand i i'm very excited to get back with my main character continue to level up get this awesome gear gear for the end game and kind of do all the side stuff. Are but they the charging time, for some Battle.net shit or anything? Are they? No, this is this is a part of it. Like, this is just the next DLC. So, separately, I got this new character that I'm excited for all this completely brand new stuff. So, th- there's just so much content, but it's, like, different content. Like, we have the solo side dungeons, but then you have this much bigger, broad, event-based, multiplayer things happening and the seasonal content in the same land. And so it's it's exciting, man. I, I'm i very pumped to have finished the campaign and to be able to move on now. So it, there's a lot going on. Very much worth it, I say. Very much. Okay, okay, okay. So uh, after that, if you're looking behind me, this is a screenshot from Exoprimal. Um, this is a new game that dropped on Game Pass. And it's fun because I saw... What a game. I mean, I saw previews for it you know, a couple months ago. And it's funny because what they were showing at the time was a crossover between Street Fighter and Exoprimal. So they're like, I guess at some point later, those characters are going to be coming in for something. So I was like, whoa, what is this? And so the game dropped. Obviously, that part's not even available yet, but it dropped in Game Pass. And I'm like, what are we doing here? So this game is like, it's like a third person multiplayer shooter. And you have these exoskeletons and... Basically, you're killing dinosaurs. Like, the main gameplay loop is that you're killing dinosaurs. Excuse me. But it's because there's, like, this rogue AI that keeps pulling these these exo-fighters into a time loop to continue to have them fight dinosaurs, which is weird in concept, but there's a story reason behind it. And you as you, as you continue to do this, you keep learning more to the story, recovering different, like uh diskettes actually oh man that you're plugging into the mainframe to like figure out what the hell is happening that's where if if you want to take down the ai you got to get to the mainframe for sure exactly (laughs) like what have we learned like this is is what pop culture has taught us so yeah it's so it's it's odd because you're fighting dinosaurs over and over the matches are fun you're just killing you're you're grabbing different kinds of exosuits like in a typical support tank uh dps kind of manner and so that that's kind of fun but i've also heard that 
you know, you're doing that over and over. If you're not, re- if the story's really not getting you, if you're not really interested to see where this rogue AI thing is going and where the story's going, I can see how you could get repetitive. But I've also read that once you get a certain way into the story, so much more is available because of what it unlocks. So it's just like, it it really is a sense of like, hey, you really got to get there before, or you're really able to play the game. So Dinos- I'm excited. Dinosaurs are super fun. Is it a very, yeah. uh, you know, how are the dinosaurs, I guess, really? Are they doing the dinosaurs justice? Are they varied and, and well-modeled, I guess, is really oh, what yeah. I'm asking. Oh, yeah. They're, they definitely have your little tiny, like, like whatever kind of pond, you know, I don't know, knee-high, three-foot-high dinosaurs, all the way up to giant, you got your T-Rexes, your Triceratops, you have these, and you can actually take control of one and, like, go fight the other team who also was trying to do the same thing. So it's, it's very interesting. It's, it's different. And like I said, it's, uh, I'm into it. I'm into it. it it's, I'm, I'm having the patience. I'm reading the story, actually paying attention. So it, it's keeping me hooked rather than the normal, like just give me the action and move on kind of thing. Cause you will miss it. If you, if you do that in this, another game, <laughs> uh, Lego 2k drive. So it's fucking Lego games. Dude, right. So, <laughs> another game I found through work, but this is a really, really solid freaking racing game, man. Like, it's it's a Lego version of the critically acclaimed Forza series made couch co-op. So, like, I, I've said before, like, obviously Forza 5, like, the best racing game out there. That My only downside is, like, man, if I want to play it with somebody, I got to play it on, an, on another Xbox. Like, it's not couch co-op. And I only say that because I love playing couch co-op racing games. Um, but this is a Lego version that is couch co-op, basically of that. Like it's open story world racing, doing racing events, like the same kind of stuff you do in Forza, just with like the fun whimsicalness of Lego crashing into things and like like what that does to you and everything. And it's it's really fun. So like if you ever want to play a racing game on the xbox like absolutely play lego 2k drive like if, if you're you know s- s- looking for something that's not if a you've lent out sports. your copy of super off-road <laughs> and you're, you're really jonesing for some racing that's a, that's a good side yeah. alternative with, with yeah. <laughs> couch co-op with a friend totally worth it totally worth it and then after that man so i've been playing a little bit of that with the kids because it's a blast even going through that, even have a story with that, which is a fun little twist on it. It's not just, hey, you're doing these races like in Forza. There's a there's a through story as well, which is really fun. Uh, you have these like rivals you get to take out. Once you take them out, you get their car to race with. So it's a it's it's really fun. There's a lot of little complexities to it. Like it's a it's a much more involved game than I thought because I feel like. I have never even heard of this game, and it came across my radar, you, you know, because there are so many Lego games at this point. But I thought I'd kind of seen all of them, and maybe I just didn't really think of this because I'm like, ah, racing, whatever. But there's a lot to it. Like, if you are a fan of racing and you want to you have a friend play with you, definitely check it out. Legos are a thing. Uh, I, I loved Legos, so, I mean, I, yeah, I, I've never really... They don't do anything for me in a game setting, I don't think, but... The idea of Legos, like the castle Legos from our, you know, mid to late 80s are, dude, I was just so fucking into them as a kid. And that's something Mm -hmm. I would love. It would probably be so expensive. 
but it would be a really cool collecting thing I think, <laughs> to, 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 to get like these those old sets of yeah the castle ones and there was another one i liked the space ones were fun too actually that was the, the other one was the guy had some space ones as well Dude. yeah and they're fucking before they got like i remember my boy agb and i was weird i mean we were we we're still in middle school i think and like for some reason we got on some little lego kick in middle school like short-lived but like a lego kick and we were like start like bought a few sets of those the castle ones but even by then, this would have been, what, 93, 94? They were way different. They were, like, more, I don't know. They just, they were less Lego-y. They were, they tried to make them more ornate. And by doing, the way they do that is by kind of, like, mm. making bigger panels that they could paint with a little more flourish, you know, a little more fucking pizzazz to them. And, no, I want the ones where you just literally, it was just building little blocks that were colored, you know, and you built whole things and that, that yeah that was fucking there were some i remember i had this little catapult that was amazing dude it actually worked you could fucking you build a catapult out of little tiny legos that would fucking actually wing things <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah just you know that should be really fun but yeah i bet those sets the like complete sets of those fucking things are probably from the 80s are probably so expensive because the complete like, sets of everything are so expensive are you right but legos in particular LEGO i mean you oh. got to be realistic it's like they're, they're so expensive they're pe- you know you to not lose one piece as a kid in the 80s That's impossible. not happening <laughs> so, so like complete sets uh, are probably real sets don't exist <laughs> yeah uh, they exist some fucking psychopath somewhere has them but they probably are so expensive not to mention if they're really expensive you can just probably 3D print a perfect Lego, even with the branding on the top of the little nubs. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, can no we? problem. So fucking even if even if they're tough to track down in their entirety, someone's thought to start replicating them. And you know how would you know? Oh my Anyways, Legos, Legos, <laughs> Legos are fun. Are you kidding me? I my son has like almost every Lego Mario set that exists right now. Like they, it's like a fully functioning. Lego level, Universe. I mean Mario level yeah, made out of Legos. Like, yeah, I was actually playing. I played Demio oh last gosh. night, and the fucking one of the guys in the game was saying that that's what he does, man. That's like his. That's what he does. Job. He sells Legos on eBay, and it's. I mean, you know, I'm sure he's not fucking a millionaire or anything. Well, I don't know who maybe he is. I don't know, but <laughs> I have oddly heard about that, and I don't yeah. know why. Well, like, they're like, lucrative as fuck. People are fucking are madmen about him, man. Especially those the ones that. The branded ones, the Star Wars and shit, those, you know, those motherfuckers are in line at fucking Target and, like, they fucking buy them out and create demand and it's a whole, fu- all those fucking, everything sucks now. You can't do, can't do, it. Can't, nothing can be cool. Everything's got to be ruined by shithead fuck faces that are ruining everything. <laughs> Somebody's always trying to make a quick buck. Right. Uh, yeah. So, outside of uh, Lego goodness, um, <laughs> the last game, uh, of course, I had to pick up the the VR a bit with my time off lately. And, uh, you know, my monthly poker game and recent loss, not making it to the final three, which I normally do had me itching for some more action. So poker stars VR felt like the closest thing that I could get to reality. So I was on there the other day. Motherfuckers play that shit for sure. I hear, I see people talking about it. I was playing for a while and had a good time, man. I, I don't know how long I played, but I played it for a good while. Like, do they know, actually? It was a blast. Are they? I mean, how? I don't know, man. Poker, because unless you, unless it's actually like depicting face tracking, like you know, the whole to me, I don't know, the whole thing of poker. 
the card game is the most boring thing ever. Like the what would make poker even kind of interesting is the interpersonal exchanges that you're reading and trying to pick up on and making fucking strategic determinations off of without that part of poker like oh my god i can't imagine anything more boring to well to, to somebody so how, who actually work, likes the game do they work that uh, in any well poker. i got my i'm asking do they work that in in any way no i mean like everybody has you have your avatar that you that and there's you no movement you can't even quest. see you can't even so like see no hands people fidgeting or people definitely are moving like your your fingers and stuff move okay. like to pick up the cards and move them so like your whole body is moving the whole time. So that that was the thing about it. Like, obviously, your face is going to be your face. But, like, people's heads and everything else are moving around as they're talking. So it really kind of still gave off that vibe of, like, okay. I wish this mofo would shut up. Person, <laughs> these two are cool over here. This person gestures a lot, but they don't talk. And you know what I mean? And just I'm, I was still able to pick up like this person is clearly on tilt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this, so it was still a good time. You know, it. I could see how if you had like a group of people you knew and you couldn't get together and you wanted to try or you, you just have, you know, all have the headset yeah. and you're able to jump on and do that, how you can still have a good time. For you sure. know, so sure. yeah, man. That is all about my time. What about you? What have you been jamming on? Uh, the big thing was that Pixel Rip 1978, which I finished it. It's good. Mm. I will almost certainly play the 90s one, uh, whatever, nice. 95, Pixel Rip 95 or something like that. The boss battle, I mean, I talked about them a little bit last time, but the boss battles are really interesting and well done. And, I, and I, again, I think I this said this exact thing, but I can see why this has caught on. They rely so heavily on this multitasking thing where you had to both play a game on a console with your hands in the game Mm -hmm. or eventually they would come out, you know, the the boss battle development would have stages and like it would start in a TV and then work its way out into the space and you're playing it kind of like in the space and in a 3D way. Um so there's that like progression of the battles, but also they would couple that with people or things in the VR space to also deal with. So think like the first one, the first boss battle, you're playing like a kind of like a spacey shoot a fucking flying saucer kind of game on a screen and then it comes out and it kind of turns into alleyway or breakout you know however you want to think of that where you're just you have the paddle at the bottom and you're bouncing a ball and trying to break the bricks and the spaceship is behind the bricks so you're trying to get the ball behind the bricks to hit the spaceship so you're playing that but also you have to once the ball hits it in the game, you have to grab these paper balls in the space. So you have to let go of the controller with one hand and still be control. You have to with other. You still got to be controlling the paddle because he's shooting things that you have to deal with, and the ball can't die. So you're like still controlling the paddle with one hand and grabbing paper balls with your other hand and trying to hit the spaceship with paper balls. So it's like this two mental track thing that, what? yeah, really hard, man. It can be really hard. Uh, the, the upper echelons of these things, of this mechanic, 
or combined mechanics would get like shit man this is like really you really got to focus man and yeah it's just like a level of i don't know just focus and immersion that is really interesting and well done and again only irreplicable on a flat screen so uh really cool yeah really interesting and and i really enjoyed that so that was a a cool thing and you know this whatever the story it's kind of like i I told you kind of that it i i want to compare it to that minecraft dungeons both in aesthetic Hmm. which i think it very much is in line with very close to but also in the trivialness of that part of it like the part where you're going around and battling in the game where you go into the game because uh, again that's like the whole the whole deal is you're a developer editory i said that and then you you have this wristband that allows you to actually go into the games and like work on bugs or the idea is that allows you to go in the game code and physically with it as an avatar in the game fix things and repair things and and whatever uh explore so you're like that stuff the, the in the game stuff when you're in there it's kind of trivial i don't know it's like like minecraft dungeons i told you, you were just walking around like very rarely did i have to like strategize you know what i mean it was just <laughs> like basic bitch just smacking things you know and that's very much how that part of it feels so that could be better i guess but you're swapping in and out of that so much that I think even if you do get a little bored by that, like I maybe was at times, you're not stuck in it for too long to make you lose interest overall, you know? Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, really fucking cool. And obviously there's, you know, hidden shit and like the different, you know, you get the cartridges. Like if you want, like when you're, when you're, when you're playing as her in the developer space at Atari... You know, like coworkers will like bring in a cart that they're working on. They're like, this has like you're like the bug expert. Like you're, that's why your name is Bug. <laughs> so like, if someone is stuck, one of the other coders, they'll bring in a cart and be like, hey, can you fucking? I, you're good at this. Can you? There's something wrong with this. Can you find it and fix it? And they'll give it to you. So when you once you fix those, you get like the finished game cart. So you could like. You have the 2600 console at your desk, you could, and all the other carts that you've repaired are like sitting on the shelf beneath the console. So you could, if you I mean, you always have a thing that you need to be doing present, you know, presently in the story or whatever. But if you want, you can just take that cart out that you've been assigned or tasked with or dealing with right now and just play one of the other finished games if you want. And you have the Atari controller and you can just play, you know. So really fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, just a really, really cool idea. And uh, it's a one woman, I mean, it's bigger now, but the. The whole concept came just a one woman developer that came up with this idea and did that whole first one herself. And Atari liked it so much that they, you know, were willing to do a licensing thing with it. And yeah, just really fucking cool story and and really cool um, output, I guess, eventually. Nice. So is that uh, the new walkabout course, Laser Lair. That's a themed 50, 60 spy deal. There's lasers on every hole, and they will carve up your ball if it makes contact, and you lose the stroke. It's like just fucking hitting out of bounds, basically. It's a little gimmicky, I would say. Not nearly so much as Upside Downtown, but definitely not as putt-putt focused as I'd prefer. And I said this, we played, uh, we we did a run on this on the easy course, and I I said, uh, did you end up playing the hard course of that one or no? I did not know. Okay. So, yeah, the hardcore in that one leans less on the laser shit 
and uh-huh. for its difficulty, I mean, like the easy course is all about just like trying to avoid lasers, basically. Right. The hard course is more about using like good angles and stuff. You don't have to just time. Like, I, I really hate those fucking timed ones where you're just hurrying yourself. I said, like, putt, putt, putt. Like, one, two, three, go. Yeah, putt, putt <laughs> to me is not, like, it's, it's too sensitivity-based, especially to be good at it, especially the way that I guess that I want to be good at putt, putt. So I, I hate that rushed thing. Like, that's very gimmicky to me. You seem to enjoy it, though. I was going to, like, did you, I, you seem to really dig that one, actually. Did you? I mean, I thought it was, I, I liked it. I did not like, like, the, Two holes, maybe, where it was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> just, I'm just getting sliced over and over again. Right. Uh, but it was a cool course. It was a cool course. Yeah. I I would not like to play the hard one, or I wouldn't have thought to play the hard one because I would think of just much more lasers. Yeah. Like, yeah, much that, more freaking crazy Yeah, I think lasers. it's – and, and that's not – that's me parroting something. I mean, I, I agree with it wholeheartedly. It's not me just regurgitating something uh, with no thought to it. <laughs> but I have heard other some of the other podcasters mention the same that the let's talk Oculus guys maybe they said the same thing that it like I thought the easy the hard course was much was easier. Uh, oh. so and like I said the score proved out, you know, clearly I wasn't trying to fucking <laughs> I wasn't trying to for my own fucking whatever purpose like trying to fucking game the system and prove that by my own performance in the first time through both courses. Uh, but yeah, very much my, my score was lower for the hard course on the first time through than the easy one, uh, than the easy one by far. Actually, I think I got like about par on my first time through the hard course. And I think it was like plus 20 or something on my first time through the easy what? course. So, you know, so that, by that logic, since I landed even on the easy, I should get like minus 20. Let's maybe. go. Well, no, because like I said, it's not, <laughs> I think maybe but I was thinking it's just I think it maybe lends more to your kind of preferred gaming vibes, uh, the rushness to it. You know, you're probably more suited towards that. So you. Probably... I mean, I I guess I've done that kind of thing a lot more. Yeah, like, yeah. like all right, timing one, two, like I can count it out in my mind. Like all right, let's just. Yeah. yeah. Um, which ones did you play, or what? What did you play after I jumped off? Uh, I actually had to log off. Uh. We ended up going. Yeah, we we're like there's there's an art festival happening. It was like oh, let's do that instead. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but cool, yeah. It's it's whatever. Like, it's a little gimmicky. It's it is cool. The aesthetic's fun. It's definitely like again these new the new ones they're doing are just so bigger worlds, more stuff going on. You know, there's like the little fucking robot helpers. In the hard one, they're like servers. They have like <laughs> g- glassware on trays and stuff. They're taking around. Pretty fucking cool. There's two putter hunts in this one. Got both of those cool putters. The, I got all 18 balls on the first time through. Duh, on the easy course. Uh, yeah, I love walkabout. Everyone knows this. So, uh, <laughs> so did that stuff. I'm still dipping into the coin game on occasion too. Um, I'm up to what? I think I, I think I got a little bit over a thousand bucks now. So I'm almost 10 percent of the way to my my ten thousand dollar golf cart. That's <laughs> nice. insane. That's insane. I can't believe every time. And like on top of this, that I'm inclined to turn it on at all, dude. I finish a day and I want to play another one. Like I want to play another day. And it's crazy to me that I want to do that loop over and over and over again. It's so weird because it's <laughs> nothing is happening, but I want to do it. It's fucking it's insane. It's insane. I'm up to like, dude, all time. I'm in the forties now. I think the low forties all time on the ski ball. Like, this is like everyone who's ever played coin game. It, it is a worldwide leaderboard and I'm up to like you know, it's just, it's, it's not like a, 
you know, it's not season based or anything. It's not cyclical. It's like a total all time points accumulated in that particular game. Oh, so, okay. you know, so in one in one degree play. it's worse, in one degree it's better. That like I'm not gonna lose ranking. It's not like I'm just catching up to people that it's gonna reset or something. Uh, this is like, but I have played it enough to be in the 40s all time ever of the ski ball machine and the and Larry's <laughs> arcade right in the center of town there. So it's a lot of ski ball <laughs> and like I'm not even kind of sick of it. <laughs> nice. So yeah, still playing that. And then I also I mentioned I slipped back and we played a game of Demio too, and I. I Played it the past couple of nights. I played it again too. So, no new content. They need to fucking get on new content. But I, I, <laughs> I have enjoyed it. Picking it back up after uh, a nice little hiatus, probably. I feel like I could play another round and have a completely different experience. Like, there's so much more to add. Like, I haven't even really played with the other characters yet. So, yeah, dude, and that that I, I that's you know before I went on my hiatus, that's how I tried to mix it up. I started playing with magician, and when the barbarian came out, I played a lot with with that one. So, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty well versed now. I think with obviously the assassin as uh, my historical go to, but yeah, the that the barbarian, the magician, all three of them, like I played the shit out of uh, now archer a little bit. Uh, the bard and the guardian are the two that I probably and the warlock. I don't, I don't the warlock. The cat thing is cool, but it's like the cat can die and then you're kind of helpless for a couple of turns. I, I hate that idea, so that one yeah. doesn't really appeal to me too much. But yeah, that, that completely changes the game for sure to play the different characters. So yeah, if you want to mix it up, I highly recommend that. select screen theme from Mega Man 3, one of the best tracks out there, bringing us into this issue. It is the November 1990 issue. 395 US dollars, 495 Canadian dollars, UK pounds, 250. GamePro goes to the movies with Gremlins 2, the new batch is our top headline, and they have live action photography of Gizmo, the hero Mogwai, and two of the baddie <laughs> Gremlins. Lead Dog Mohawk and the Cross-Eyed Daffy, which are solid choices, <laughs> I would say, from from the yes. offerings. Uh, they tack on plus six other monster movie video game titles. So I was feeling like there was a real good chance we were going to be partaking in some dog shit licensed bullshit in this issue. <laughs> Sweet! Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Mega Man 3, tons of great tips for this wild smash hit is the second cover pitch. Then 14 new games you gotta get is the last bullet point, and it's sequel mania and the, for the titles that are listed below that. Legendary Axe 2, Thunder Force 3, Dragon Warrior 2, and then Super Scrabble. This <laughs> issue has 186 pages, ballooning up from 130 in the previous month's issue, and yes, Whoa. there is plenty of advertisement fluff, but holy fuck is that still a huge jump. And right. yeah, I don't know... Same price, like they just yeah. Like I said, most of it's advertising, or not most of it, but a lot of it's advertising. So of course, you know, they're not gonna, they don't need. Like that. we'll take your money for this time. Yes, we right. absolutely do that. <laughs> right, <laughs> but yeah, it is. It does. Yeah, you know, that's still printing costs included. And like, I don't know. It's just a big, it's a massive change, massive jump. <laughs> 
So first thing we get served up uh, on our TV dinner table after opening the mag is a full pager from Ultra Games that is slathered corner to corner with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle goodness. Yeah. I don't recall ever seeing this one, this ad I mean, and there's tons of fun shit here. It is primarily, primarily for the OG NES installment, but up top they have a picture of Raphael popping out of a manhole that's for some reason been installed in a very well-to-do family sitting room. (laughs) (laughs) That is is not a cheap rug, and that chair smells of rich mahogany for sure. So, (laughs) (laughs) Ron Burgundy is sitting up there. Yeah, right. A speech bubble is coming from old Ralph. It says, yo, dudes, check us out in Fall of the Foot Clan, our first ultra-cool game adventure for Game Boy, trademark. And it actually did not occur to me that they were trying to pun that up with that ultra-cool part of that, being that they're <laughs> ultra games. Um, brilliant, nice. Konami, brilliant. In front of this poor civil engineering choice is an NES with two standard controllers plugged in and a few game boxes strewn about nearby. And this is yet another example uh, of how (laughs) little of a fuck that Konami gave about putting it out into the open that they were skirting Nintendo's five titles a year publishing cap with the show company. One of those game boxes is Metal Gear, and that is also an ultra-published title. Yes, okay, that's on the up and up. But the other one is Blades of Steel. Blades of Steel. Yeah, and that is a straight-up Konami title. So they just don't give a fuck. They do not care, (laughs) you know. And apparently Nintendo doesn't either because they're not smacking them on the nose for this, you know. So... I don't know. You just have to. Hey, I don't know. Like, you know, for the Konami part, whatever. I'm sure they, you know, it's intended. Who don't give a fuck? Whatever. Uh, but <laughs> you know, for the company, the shitty company that's trying to make more games for them from their shitty developer stuff, you know, and they're in there talking to Nintendo, and they're like, they get someone had to have noticed this that worked for one of these companies that wanted to make more Nintendo games and be like, what the fuck, man? Like, it's not, we know that it's not, that that's Konami. Like, we know, we everyone knows. Like, what do you mean it can only do five? Like, that's, that's all I was going to say. Like, do you think they really knew right, right now? Right now, do you think they knew? Like, Nintendo? Nintendo? How could you not? I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. I'm not, you're right. I'm not thinking that someone at Nintendo is taking the time in 1990 to be perusing GamePro to police third-party developers' advertisements, <laughs> especially in these minute, like, obscure ways that my over-analytical ass is, is spotting, right. you know. So I'm not suggesting that. But... Again, there ha- there's so many third-party licensee- licensees. I guess maybe that's part of it. This is, this is, in 1990, there might not have been a billion of them yet. Uh, but eventually, even if you say not 1990, eventually this had to be a thing. It just There had to be a conversation. One of those companies had to be like, what the fuck do you mean we can only make five? Like, we, you know what I mean? Like, someone had to have said something. And I just, I guess I am just... I am sad that I can't see or know that conversation because I bet it was funny. I guess is really what I'm getting at here. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how, like, I wonder what was the average time to make a game back then. Like right now, it's years, but like back then, you know, I've I've heard stories about some a certain games. Yeah, I mean, like, out in like eight weeks. Yes, like, exactly. The license one ideal. So like. Yeah, you know, it's probably like three, four, you know, somewhere between three and six months that would be my spitball, my so edu- like, even, educated spitball from doing all so this. So even saying five should be like, yo, you, you're like you hurting quality if you go beyond five kind of a thing. You know what I mean? 
unless you had enough people you to were somehow had it. right no people again yeah i that's what i that's kind of what i mean though is the funny part of the conversation would be going would be nintendo if they want to get bitchy about it would be like okay here's an idea go to toys r us buy three random konami games and then send someone an intern to buy three of your games and sit down and play those three games next to each other that's why Konami gets to make more than five games. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they like if they wanted to get bitchy, they could yeah. just be like, Konami's dope. That's why they get to make five games. But you can't you normally wouldn't want slash be able to say that in a professional setting. So that's right. what I mean. Like there's like there's just I think a lot of corporate humor potential for this little uh combustion fucking thing going on. Potential combustion situation here, you know. So uh, that is I don't know. It's certainly interesting, if nothing else. The bottom two-thirds has some flowery pitch copy for that NES game. And the game box, uh, five screenshots of varying quality and appeal. And the copy is actually kind of fun, so I will read that. Ultra Games has lifted the lid on the hottest Rock'em Sock'em video game ever to grace the sewers as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles track New York's hastiest, nastiest to the front door of your Nintendo. With these dynamic dudes at your disposal, rampage from the Bronx to Broadway, slashing and smashing carnivorous robots with katana blades and nunchuckas. Then go cruising for a bruising in a pizza-powered party wagon loaded with anti-foot clan missiles until you capture Shredder's life support gun and turn your rat friend Splinter back into the man he used to be. So team up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and prepare to shell out some punishment. And that is good copywriting. Also that, maybe you don't even need the games. Maybe you can just put that... Copy and be like, show me all of your guys's fucking ad copy <laughs> and show me where it even comes. It can even uh, hold up one nut on their nutsack. <laughs> you know, oh, that's, that's great. pretty good. So we haven't played this yet and I've never beat it. You haven't either, if I recall correctly. And it's borderline fucking impossible as I remember it. So I think. It still warrants absolutely discussion for game up territory. So I, like I said, we almost played two last time instead of the other game we, right. that we chose. That doesn't. That's. So, I feel like that's not even. That's not even. That's. That's not. That's like apples and oranges. No, my, my, my point is like I will happily go back into the Turtles franchise at that point. Like okay. I still have that Cowabunga collection. So I can play both this one and the Game Boy version on my Xbox. Like all the all the versions. So okay. I'm. Absolutely interested in talking about that. I need to see. Send me, make a note, jot in your moleskin, Jay, to send me a screenshot of this game on the Xbox. I, I badly need to see like Word. how that looks. I Done. just I just can't believe that it's it's going to be great, rudimentary NES quality. Yeah, I just have a hard time picturing that uh, coming out of an Xbox. But who knows? It's dope. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I, like, I wouldn't doubt that it's dope. My concern would be would be that it's too dope. <laughs> Another new ad. Same game situation. After that, from acclaim for Total Recall on the NES, and has a great shot of Arnold from the film. He's hanging on for dear life in a wind tunnel that I believe is replicating a breach in one of the habitats on Mars, if I recall the film correctly. <laughs> and he is 100 making that iconic Arnold Arr! noise here. You know. Right? <laughs> It definitely so, is. Yeah. So, you know, you have to you have to think there's some level of 
acknowledgement of that and the creative choice of choosing that particular photo. Like, yes, it's also action-packed and interesting, but there's got to be someone had to be like, eh, and he's making that noise right here. <laughs> you know, like... Yep, like yeah. I don't. Th- that movie is not very memorable to me. Oh, know, dude, I, I, that movie's so. I feel good. like I need to watch it. again. You gotta watch. Right it's so now. good. It's so good. It's so. It's such a good movie. So, so like, good. I don't have this image in my mind at all from uh, that movie. So I'm just like, I feel like I just remember him walking around a lot. So that movie is great, dude. That scene at the at the uh, customs where he's trying to pass through as the woman, and he's got the robot head on, and it like freaks out on him. Uh, it. it I've, I've heard people. I've heard people love the movie. It's I, really this, good. This this game sucks. So. Yeah. Oh, the game I mean, is oh, no, fucking no dumpster doubt. fire. Yes, it's fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to the ad. Uh, headline up above reads: "They stole your mind. Now get it back." And it had me wondering if they thought of looking in the chopper for it. <laughs> get in the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> love this movie. Yeah, enough to. So I stole this movie, the VHS cassette from the Oberlin Public Library. Uh, when I was a kid, so that's how much I loved the movie, even as a kid, let alone now as an adult. But I, I hated the NES game enough to feel absolutely robbed after renting it once. And I, I maybe have told that story out yes. here, but yeah, I rented it. I love it. it. It's yeah, I mean, it's one of the. I it's it's right up oh. there with X Men, uh, and you know, Acclaim and LJN. At nineteen ninety, that transition is happening where they where they purchase LJN, but. I think this game's been out for a little bit, so I don't think they were quite the same thing yet, but close enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 right there with the X Men game, and as far as just licensed video game tragedies on the NES, you know, the IP here, here has everything you want in a video game if it can be respectfully integrated into a well crafted game. And it was developed even by Interplay. That's the that's the shit of it. It's not like some fly by night developer that Acclaim hired for this. Interplay again, that's the Fallout people. They have a, a good resume when they want to apply themselves, but, you know, they probably, for the exact reason you were talking about, uh, as far as, like, you know, development timeline stuff, I would guess they had a constricted one for a movie. Most of these movie tie-ins, that's the root of the problem, is they get some sort of constricted development timeline to match or adhere to or come yep, here, close here's to. Here's your script part. Like, use this. Right. Go. Well, I just mean the, the, the timeline, too. Of like, if the movie's coming out oh yeah, on whatever date this is, we want the game to come out at some point around it, you know. so That's what I mean. Like, oh. so you'd even have to give them, like, early earlier script, you know, Maybe, well, I, well, I think, go. yeah, no, see, I, that's the problem. See, you're thinking, you're giving them way too much credit that they were thinking <laughs> of getting the game rolling in some early stage pre-movie being shot. Like, this is something that the marketing division or whatever. And see, that's also the thing, too. I don't even know, I would guess that film studios are not, it's not on the forefront of their mind to be licensing this out for video games yet, to be licensing film properties out. And I would guess, especially given Acclaim's penchant for doing this, they were probably the ones, they see a new Arnold movie coming out, we need to go, we should go get the rights. And they, game quick. Yeah, and they initiate this, mm. and then, okay, if we're going to do it, even if it's not the studio, the IP owner, creating the time constraint, it's Acclaim, the publisher... Who's outsourcing the development to Interplay? Like we got to cash in on that quickly. Right, exactly, precisely. You know, that's and that's hot. where these fucking yeah. shitty, shitty windows come from. But yeah, it's just—I mean, the that game makes you know, more sense. Actually, yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I just told you about that gadget 
You know, it's a, it, there's so many gadgets. That thing that he pulls the sensor out of his nose. There's just all the... It's very Metal Gear-ish almost. Like this can be not... A, you know, it's not stealth-based where you want it to be a Metal Gear game, but a, but, a, but a game that relies as heavily on the equipment and stuff. You know, uh, and, and there is some of that in there. I remember having to grab some shit, but the gameplay itself, the side-scrolling action component of it is so bad that you couldn't even begin to engage that stuff if it is good and well-planned out and well-adhering to the good IP. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just a, it's a fucking tragedy. <laughs> the Moby, it's got a Moby score, you know, whatever, I'm not one, uh, critic scores, whatever, but it's got a Moby score of four, a critic score of 34%, a player score of 1.5 out of five stars, <laughs> and... Uh, a Josh Follin score of you fucking pricks. Why did you shit the bed on this? So just absolutely <laughs> scathing, <laughs> absolutely scathing critical uh, response to this, this video game. Oh, I love it. That glorious two banger from EA for Lakers versus Celtics. We read from in the last game pro is next. And that is still a month away from its December release, but you can bet your sweet ass. It will be in the holiday issue of game pro. We are closing out 1990 with on the next mag ep. Konami comes back at us next after that with a single page for Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse. And it's got a really cool illustrated imagining of the ability to change characters here. A super stoked kid in the middle with Grant, Alucard, and Trevor surrounding him. Grant Dynasty, uh, I mean, and Trevor Belmont. And the faces of each have this incremental morphine effect between them to convey the transformation idea, which is... Good and smart, I think. They are giving Sifa, the uh, the magician character, though, the spellcaster, the Winston and Ghostbusters treatment, though, as she is absent from this artwork uh, for no, parti- <laughs> no particular reason, in my opinion. Uh, but it does have fun copy. Just when you thought the daisies were taking root on Dracula's grave, he and his evil army arise in Konami's Dracula's Curse for Nintendo. And the coolest thing about this is, hands down, the contest they are running by way of cutout mail-in form. Are you ready for a bloody good time in Transylvania? We'll send you there to see the legendary Dracula's castle and haunting grounds if you win this one week all expense paid trip. But sorry, all expense paid bone chilling grand prize trip for four during Halloween 1991. So that is a pretty lit fucking contest for a game. Sign me up, bro. Yeah, yeah. Can can can, can we get yeah. down on this? Yeah. Like, again, too. Like- Konami, Konami. That's again like. If they, uh, Nintendo wants to be bitchy, like, how many kids are you sending to Transylvania this year? <laughs> that's why That's why Konami gets 10. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so secondary winners will receive Konami's Castlevania and Simon's Quest. So, like, the, two, the first two games, which is a dope-ass thing to receive, obviously. If you don't have those games, that's fucking awesome. Especially if you're geared up for three here and you're going to buy three, you know. So that's one option. Or, and they don't, like, you don't determine this. This is probably just availability or whatever. They internally decide it. Or, instead of two Nintendo games, MSRP on those are what? They're, they're library titles now, but lowest you can say is 40 maybe, 39.95. So, 80 yeah. bucks. You get that. Or, Dracula on video cassette. <laughs> fucking like, oh, uh, that's a big, big gap there. <laughs> Really unbalanced, either or. Like oh, that's the, great. The kid, like, at his mailbox every day, expecting to get. <laughs> Am I getting plane tickets? Am I getting video games? <laughs> right, right. But again, oh, like, I think disgusting. we talked about before. Like, I don't know. Maybe they don't. Maybe this is fucking. But I feel oh. like I feel like this kind of thing in 1990 
is like modern U.S. government decision making. They like they're gonna they're gonna waste a stamp and a letter to tell you that you won, and then mail you the thing later. You know what I mean? Like just. So you're in my in my mind in my imagining of that kid at his mailbox. He already knows he's won. He just doesn't know what he's won, you know, or doesn't know out of these two. <laughs> I'm sure they would tell you you won the the trip or whatever. Obviously, because they don't need to mail you anything until the plane tickets. But I'm sure if you won second prize, they didn't tell you in that letter. You know, you just won second prize and you win one of the, either of these things. You know, and like you're expecting and hoping for the the games. But you get the fucking VHS cassette instead and just be such a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> like, you won a prize. Check your mailbox. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. It's a VHS Ooh. cassette that I got to I gotta <laughs> talk my parents and even let, give me the fucking VHS control to watch. Dad's watching Rambo. Dad's watching Rambo. I can't fucking watch Dracula, you motherfuckers. <laughs> you, got, you got Rambo. I got The Hobbit. I got, like, Justin Wilson's, like, Cajun home cooking and lots of fishing shows. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Lots of fishing shows. You with the fucking fishing shows. <laughs> Did your dad have VHS cassette fishing shows? That's incredible. Well, he watched those. I don't think he had VHSs of those. Okay, I was gonna say. I yeah. think he just just watching those, the just yeah. controlling the TV. Yeah, sure, that makes sense. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that no, was a thing. Uh, it was definitely a thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, my early game playing days, I they I didn't have a TV in my room yet, so. I would play Atari in my f- first NES. Once I got the NES, I think they eventually they just gave me that TV. Maybe is what happened. Might have been how that went down. But yeah, I mean, nice. I when, I when I was playing on a, I think it was a 19 inch, little shitty dial TV. But like my shit was not hooked up out in the living room. Like I like I said, I have this story or this memory of playing Metal Gear on the living room TV, and it was like a privilege thing like it happened just like, i got the game mm. for christmas or something and i was allowed to hook my nes up and play it on the fucking 32 inch living room tv you know because yeah Whoa. normally you're not dominating the television dad's watching that shit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure uh. a slick swords and serpents two pager we've already seen and appreciated gets us to yet another brand spanking new solstice the quest for the staff of demnos ad also a two banger and if this game didn't sell as well as ImageSoft had liked, it sure as hell wasn't because of a lack of advertising effort and expense Dude. on their behalf. This game is in every one of these mags. They have a new ad every time. The ad is dope as fuck. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just going to ask you a question, Josh. Don't you want to be a Nintendo master? Like, I, this is the final I do. test. Like, are you telling me we don't want to be Nintendo masters? <laughs> what are we talking about right now? That's good. That's great. Now, I, listen, man. Listen. I have... It's not... From a lack of initiative or effort or even interest, I was immediately drawn in as well. The advertising got me too, you know? So it's not that I walked into this with a negative opinion. So I was already predisposed, I think, to want to engage this and, yes, eventually become a Nintendo master. But it's terrible. It's just a horrific game. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just sad that the image is a great, well and heavily photoshopped live action photo of the oddly buff wizard idea they've been pushing in all their marketing. And he I mean he looks to me more like a WWF character here. Like he's got like those neon green wrestling boots, the, he's holding that glass like that glass flask 
and staff, they look like movie props that a wrestler would have, not, dude, you know, like, dude, not. He, he looks like how I imagine myself as an old man. I want to be Diesel and cast a spell. <laughs> like, that's what I'm telling He's got, yeah, he's, he's all he's got. The only, thing, the only thing he's wearing other than the the boots is a little purple flap of fabric covering his junk. <laughs> like, his outfit is insane, man. It's like, yeah, he's totally, totally WWE It is pretty, pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, for, especially for a wizard, too. Like, it's, you know, it's just so, it's fun. Like, like normally wizards, uh... Yeah, they got a robe on, you know, they look a little fucking, a little hunched over, maybe even. Like, not fucking, you know, Gandalfy. Not, not fucking, <laughs> not this at all. Not outbenching you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, for sure. The like uh, yeah whatever he's got in that flask is definitely got some HGH in it. <laughs> the copy starts off with some really ballsy self association. It says the final test of the Nintendo Master. Yes, as you said, you've conquered Super Mario Brothers three, beaten Ninja Gaiden two, trounced Tetris. Now you must face Solstice. And you know, thankfully, I have not beaten Ninja Gaiden two, so I do not have to begin my Solstice journey quite yet. <laughs> to to stay on this road of Nintendo mastery, <laughs> but that is some pretty wild company to put yourself in. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like it as ballsy. Yo. It is. Ballsy. It is ball. I mean, I guess it certainly thematically lines up with that wizard. The the image right. of that wizard. You know that 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 wizard would definitely put himself in the company of Super Mario Brothers Three, Ninja Gaiden Two, and Tetris. I get that, but the developers <laughs> should bring me have a little bit more perspective. <laughs> Uh, lastly they are doing another cool interaction thing with the readers that is a good veiling of luring peeps into their mailing list there's a corner mailer asking you to write in for solstice purchasing locations if you're struggling to find one which would surprise me as well as a request to send in tips maps or ideas for solstice too so they're like trying to source I don't know fucking a hint book out of their their players and readers and a sequel <laughs> which hey i like yeah. the i like this i told you it's ballsy man it's yeah. ballsy the balls on this guy i guess i guess first up is the letter from the game pros and color me impressed about this they are explaining in detail the economics of video game cart manufacturing and why there can be such disparities in the costs of new games even within the libraries of a single console and they use the NES as their prime example of this, where they explain the three different multi-memory controller chips in use across the NES library. There's the MMC1, MMC3, MMC5, and that's going from shittiest to best and cost correlates. These MMC chips trick the NES main processor into thinking this onboard chip in the cartridge can allow for additional graphical capabilities beyond the system's base aptitude. So that is the application of this, and, and it's, it's really smartly written, and this is... Like, you know, this is actual journalism that warrants praise. You know, like these games, right? we we know so much of them. So much of them are just selling vehicles, just pumping video games into children and or the requests into children to their parents. But this is actual like smart learn this is things. Super interesting. Yeah, yeah, super interesting. Yeah, I was one hundred percent reading this. Like, oh, like I didn't know this shit, and I have read a lot of right. dumb video game shit from nineteen ninety. <laughs> yeah. yeah. give, give me those engineering details. Yeah, it's very fascinating. Yep, for sure. Heavy Shredden and Maniac Mansion ads we've seen. Get wait, us- wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we move on, can we take a, a, a moment to note that some games at this time in 1990 cost $64.95? Let's do that's that NEC. Those are all NEC games, you know. The the highest yeah. I've seen any of the Genesis games in here, and, you know, we don't get a lot of Sega prices because fucking 
Sega can't do it for some reason. I, I think, honestly, at this point, I think it's deliberate. I think they just don't, especially in these magazines, I don't think they want their prices they don't want you to, know. to be side by side with the lower NES prices, even though it's warranted. But again, a, a, a parent can't, can't. Parts They're just going to be like, nah. More expensive? Why, why no. You <laughs> <laughs> no. You want this one? Yeah. No, no, you get you get Right, right, right. So, yeah, I, I, at this point, I think it's deliberate. But we do see a few of the third-party developers for Sega have some prices in here. And the highest I saw was 55 I think. So, you know, that. And, and you know, and there were NES games that were 55 too, I think. I think Mega Man might have been 55 So, you know. Yeah, the Super Nintendo games definitely got up there. Because right. I know. No, okay. Which will come later. Right. But yeah, uh, that $65 shit, a lot of that is fucking TurboGrafx NEC nonsense, you know, which is, again, we've talked about, like, they just, that's why they that's why they couldn't compete, because all their games were astronomically fucking, ex- everything about it, with the system, the add-ons, the games, they were all so fucking expensive relative to everything else that you just, again, it's just, it, it, you can't, it, price is such an important thing at this time, I think, uh, with, with the lack of... Um, video gaming vernacular that the actual people spending the money had. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the kids were not the ones spending the money, even if they... And they also probably didn't know, but parents in particular, no clue. <laughs> so... Oh, yeah. uh, we had to tell our parents, like, yo, you need to get this one because this is the 16-bit versus the 8-bit. The 8-bit is the old stuff. The right, 16 right, right, right. is the new. That's and the again, graphic. You if, if, if this discussion is not happening in a store with the thing set up that you could demonstrate this visual difference, uh, it was just going right over their head. <laughs> Probably still would, but at least then like, you Like, all you some... need to know, the Super Nintendo. The great one. Super. The great one. Everything we want to buy needs to have Super in front of it. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, we're, we're getting into the mail now, and they start here with an entire page of just Game Genie letters, and gamers are just foaming at the mouth uh, for the shit, the exact quote from Matt Damon in, in Evans, Georgia, uh, states that they are foaming at the mouth about this bad boy. And Matt make to, or sorry, Matt takes that demonstration of enthusiasm even further, saying he pinned the article from the mag to his wall. This kid has himself a fucking vision board, Jay. <laughs> this kid has a fucking He's a game, visionary. Yeah, of a, a video game vision board on his wall at age whatever. Yeah, it's fucking incredible. So the whole page here is pro Game Genie, and the chief platform for their campaign is that it's just an extension of the hidden codes that developers themselves put in games. A, a very smart and reasonable answer to Nazi Nintendo's efforts to litigate this out of existence. And so you have that whole first page of pro Game Genie shit, and then we get this one 13-year-old asshole, <laughs> James Martell, uh, on the second on the next page, who gives he lives in Fuckville, Maine, who is clearly a paid Nintendo lobbyist trying to dupe the public into aligning with his idiot perspectives. So here's his statement. It says, I personally would not buy a game cart if I rented it and beat it with a game genie because it's simply a waste of money and time. Okay. What? Yeah, like, just like, you know, just like baseless. It's just like, like, you know, no, I don't, I don't like, like it. I'm just, I say a bunch of words. They affirm my opinion, but I actually demonstrate no factual basis for that opinion with this wordy statement, you know? Yes. Yeah. 
terrible, oh, terrible, 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 terrible. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other letters are a lot of NEC heads pumped up about the Turbo Express handheld and its ability to play TurboGrafx-16 cards, which no doubt is an incredible feat if the batteries lasted long enough to even get a whole game sesh in, which I think the finding with both that and the Game Gear was that it did not really, and that was one of the big reasons that the Game Boy stomped their asses. Oh, man. Namco, which is a Genesis full pager in the middle of the mail. Half of it is devoted to ISOH game app alum Philios, and the other to Burning Force, a sci-fi perspective arcade shooter I didn't recall having seen yet. And I had no ROM in the library, despite, you know, know, it's tough with those names that are just like, eh, fucking adjective (laughs) noun, like, (laughs) you know, whatever. Pick pick between these synonyms. (laughs) Yeah, it's a fucking just a mad, a video game mad libs, basically. Uh, so yeah, I didn't have it though. So my theory confirmed when that was the case. And, and then I was off to do my little emulator BB stacking process of acquiring the ROM and the matching key art. I love doing that. And dude, I fired this up. Namco on the Genesis. I think we have something here. Like, I think this developer is, and I had no idea about this. I think it is like, shit, bro. Yeah. I called shit. I, I think they, yeah, I think they are like an early stage Genesis fucking just absolute fire developer. Like, again, kind of Konami Capcom over on the NES kind of deal. Like, very, very, all these games are fucking good, and this one is fucking great. I played all the way through the first two levels, then to the first boss where I got pummel-chooked before having an inclination <laughs> to turn, like, I, I before I even thought about turning it off. Like, I played two old levels and a boss level and got killed, and I was like, do I want to stop playing? I don't think I want to stop playing. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow, wow. Really fucking cool. Wow. Did you play it? I did not play it. I, oh, man. I purposely skipped it, assuming, thinking I had already played it. But well, we, this ad library, looks like, just like they had a, they, they've been doing, Namco's been doing these two banger ads with Filios on one side and then another game on the other. And yeah, this was a, this was a new game on the other half. So that's a, that's a fair assumption. But so yeah, oh it's a, gosh. it's a from behind. <laughs> I definitely did not. Yeah. It's a from behind perspective vantage. It feels a lot like Space Harrier. Uh, but yes. you're instead of like flying as a dude, you're riding a skimmer vehicle on top of open ocean and you know, shit flies up out of the water at you. Oh, there's also enemies buzzing in from the horizon and there's a ton of fun variants in the enemies that I felt you occasionally come across these launcher things where you can like you pass over them and boost up into the air where there'll be power ups to shoot and grab and stuff. So there's like, you know, you kind of like a, even even the skimmer part has like some aerial aspects to it, and then on top uh, on the topic of power ups, there's a, a lot of really cool progression I felt to the laser shooter and limited quantity missile attacks that I went through in my first couple of levels there. So yeah, I played the first two levels, and I got a cutscene where your skimmer goes into a workshop type thing, and it's retooled into a flying vehicle for the boss battle. So. You're flying. You're not even on the water anymore for the boss battle. And while that's happening, a like a, a blue-haired, blue-eyed woman wearing an officer suit but sexy comes up <laughs> comes up to uh, show you a, a diagram of the boss enemy's weak point, where it reads, you know, target is here. So it like this is really fucking cool. Like you, you, you see your shit getting retooled. You get like this mission briefing from fucking home base of how to deal with the boss. And it gives you like a, a, like I said, a diagram of it to show you. And then you buzz out of there and it's back to the open water, but you're flying now. And there's like a little bit of enemy stuff before you got to the boss fight, but it had that like, you know, basically 
I think the, the purpose of this is not to give you enemies to fight, but more to create a, a pause that gives you that dramatic boss build, boss battle buildup feel, you know? So that was well done. And the boss was a huge sprite, ton of varied behavior. I wasn't immediately able to figure out, you know? Uh, so yeah, it fucking... Just the first couple of levels, but 1,000% game-worthy, in my opinion. Or game-app-worthy, rather. Yeah, like, really fucking... Wow. Probably good game. Like, I added to the shit-worth playing list, no matter what. But, oh. uh, yeah, link to that's in the okay. show notes, as it always is. So, yeah, it'd be something to pick up and play and have fun with for a short stint, for sure. And it also might be game-app material. So, that was very... I did not expect that uh, upon firing it up, for sure. Okay, okay. Hardcore Addery for the next seven pages. Singles on Gargoyle's Quest on the Game Boy from Capcom and Data East Caveman Games. Seen these before, but we have a new five-banger from NEC that must be highlighted. They've done just such a great job with it. Or a such such a great job with this. Uh, it, it looks so like badass in 90s extreme. Like the, the first page is the TurboGrafx console, a stack of the system game cards with bonk on top and a controller. They're all real big, all real dramatically lit on a real clean white background. And there's text kind of snaking through it that reads, if you can play it here, and it's got like an arrow. It's like the whole thing is written. It's like, it is an arrow. The text is an arrow. And at oh. the end, there's an arrow head. And it points to the next page. And then on those second and third pages are a spread that have the same stack of game cards on the left, their, tur- their new Turbo Express handheld system dominating the entire right of the page, or the entire right page, rather. And the text here says you can play it anywhere. And it's another arrow pointing at the handheld. And the the so it's, you know, it does a good job of visually explaining that the same stacks of cards work in both systems, you know, and like, that's kind of mind blowing. Like it's I even re, even even when we first read it, whenever the hell we saw, first saw that, I was like, I didn't know that 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 had that multifunction dual functionality, and I kind of didn't believe it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the the need to like go the extra mile to really hammer this into the consumer was good self awareness, I think, by them. You know, and and Are you well, kidding well done me? here. This was felt like the next generation of gaming. I just didn't have the cash at the time. I was right. I th- this absolutely amazing. Very effective ad like you said. I just I wanted this so bad, but I was like I there's no freaking way I could afford this I these did, games. I like, didn't have these third party mags. Yeah, I didn't have these third party mags, thank God, or I prob well not thank God. Uh thank God for my dad's wallet probably cuz I I would have yeah. <laughs> We need to get this. <laughs> uh so yeah, it the turbo- like the, it always felt just like the rich the rich kid. Yeah, thing. like there's no like, way I'm gonna be four hundred dollars. Who knows how much this was? Probably. It's like owning the Neo Geo or something like basically arcade cabinet style. Like I don't have that like yeah. availability. Yeah. The Turbo Express is noted to be actual size and showing an actual screen from Bonk. You know, it's not like conceptual art or something on the screen. It's like an actual screenshot. And they have solid bombastic copy here. It says, for the first time in the history of mankind, you can play the existing 16-bit library of killer TurboGrafx-16 games anywhere in the known world. And they also show the TV tuner add-on, which they note that you can attach both VCR and camcorder inputs. So... It's like, what? Yeah, how crazy is that? That you could, like... you 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 could play that Dracula tape on your... If you want it on the fucking on your triple graphics <laughs> handheld with this fucking thing and and the proper cables, I guess, uh, which is yeah. even more shit that your dad uh, is not gonna buy you. 
uh, uh, although you know, you it, a, being able to a, a job. Yeah, exactly. Be, being able to pipe in a camcorder, which also a rich family thing that we did not have. The, oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So being able to pipe that in, that like the the ability to do that at all is also, I think, a bit aware of their consumer base. You know what I mean? That like that you could even have a camcorder, and that and like that they would even begin to let your kid touch it. You know, I guess this doesn't have to be for a kid. Sure. But, but probably, but probably, yeah. And the <laughs> idea that if you had a camcorder, if you're rich enough to have a camcorder, the idea of letting your kid play with it to play with this fucking no handheld chance. video game system, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> We're talking about a very, very niche market right, right now, yeah, right, <laughs> to yeah, say yeah. the least. Last two pages are a huge collage of game screenshots captioned with the explanation they are offering one of 38 titles for free, and that is in addition to the Keith Courage pack-in cartridge when you buy a console between October and end of the year, and that's a pretty hot deal. Mm -hmm. Free video games are cool. Cutting Edge is on virtual reality shit, and, you know, okay, virtual reality, what are we talking about here? This is mostly about how the MetaQuest 3 is going to even further slay caveman flat screen gaming, and how the writer, the Wiz, can even believe anyone plays caveman games on flat screens on the other side of the room anymore. And amen, Wiz! Amen. I don't understand it either. <laughs> they they actually yeah they actually don't even mention the quest here surprisingly. But th- this is mostly broad strokes of where VR technology is at the time, which is not very far as history playing out between 1990 and 2023 would demonstrate. I would say this might even be a cleverly disguised Schmauerdub ad in reality. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh for sure. You know, as, I, I had that thought. Yeah, as opposed to anything that's even trying to let you know but i mean there's a little bit of journalism i guess going here but yeah it, it's that de- there's definitely a little bit of baked inness of of, of this smart up shit so the, the company behind a lot of the tech they're covering here is vpl research and redwood california which is who made the smart of so yeah uh they designed they, they designed it and are using a similar build for the hand tracking portion of their full-blown vr prototypes well it's funny because the the whole thing ends with saying VR, it was out of sight in terms of cost at the time. So it's like, even with all this, it's like, true VR, we can't make it work right now. It's not going to work. Yeah, definitely not. My, how far we've come. Right. Yeah, and that that I think that theory is furthered even more by the fact that we get Schmauerdove and Super Gloveball ads attached to this editorial piece. Oh, for sure. That's why I was like, wait a minute, we're just talking... Power glove, power glove. Oh, power glove ad. Yep. Oh, more power glove ad. Imagine you know? that. Stop saying that. Super glove ball. Stop saying that. Power <laughs> enough. <laughs> we don't talk about the fucking power glove. <laughs> we don't talk about it. On right. this fucking podcast. They also mentioned there's a game parlor in Chicago in a 4,000 square foot space where players can do a four on four MechWarrior VR battle. And I mean, Probably still cool for the time, just because, like, nothing like this. But it just had to be so painfully clunky, though. Like, <laughs> like the, oh, sure. the, the, the the pictures, the, the few pictures they have of it in here, it looks pretty wild. It, it looks like a movie set from 2001, A Space Odyssey, you know. So, like, cool in space E, but still old and clunky. And, I, you know, I guess that's modern me weighing in with that opinion. In 1990, maybe you don't feel that way. But you might just walk in like, yo, yeah, wild. I'm ten. So <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I mean, like, I, yeah. Like there's no, I mean, as a kid, there's just no way to not be blown away by that. But we're in a secret facility, Josh. Come right, on, right? Yeah, get into it, man. Yeah. 
And that was I me. Mean, I, 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 I'm not, it, it didn't say it as a branded thing, so I'm not sure if it was. But there were those, I think they were called Mech Warrior PC games at the time. So I'm wondering mm. if it's that game, but in VR, or if it's this just this prototype software they built. You know, I'm not sure. So various bullshit we needn't discuss gets us to Pro Classics, where they're covering ISOH game epilogue Batman on the NES from Sunsoft, and Slow-Mo is the assigned game pro here, and they are giving this heater of an NES title all the credit it is due. He writes, Batman's definitely a winner. The cart's graphics are terrific, with great animated sequences between levels and a dark overall look that really captures the mood of the movie. The only reason you'll finish this cart in a few days is because you won't be able to stop playing. And I think that is right in line with what our verdicts were word, when, we, word. when we played it. The MSRP is forty six ninety five, and they give it a fitting 88% on their power meter. A new two-banger after that for Solar Jetman from Rare and Trade West. It's the ad behind me right now, or the, the image behind me. It's a collage of actual sprite art from the game. It's got your ship and little man, enemies, items that you tow back to your mothership, etc., etc. Each one has little blurbs of copy written in the comedic tone. Everything else in the game is styled with, and it is just beautiful, I would say. Uh, have I mentioned this game is one we will play at some point, Jay? Have I told you that? You may or may not have mentioned that. Did you I play it the right way yet? Did you play it the right way? I didn't play it the right way. I just played it again. Like, what the hell is happening right now? Like, I'm I'm dragging things. They're just dragging me down. I'm just dying, dragging things to the ground. What? So you did. What is my? You did do some towing. Here? You did some towing. So you're closer. I did some towing. Did you get anything like, back what, to the ship? Doing. I got nothing anywhere. I the the weight of the thing just pulled me down. Yeah, you have to. According to this, it was a force a force shield, and that weighed me down. And then something else I grabbed. Yeah. 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 Well, the yeah the space the 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 force field in particular is is pretty heavy, especially for the beginning. Yeah. But yeah, that's what the whole thing is about. Like you're working against the gravity. Like that. It's. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta. Gotta get going. I guess it's. It. it, There is some startup cost because you. Because yeah, I mean the 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 fun the fun of if you don't get the pay like you know any any video game thing, dude. If you don't. See it through. I don't understand the- what I was doing or why. I was like, what? Like, which one of these things am I supposed to be grabbing and what am I doing? All of them. Like, I was just you, like you're a salvager. It. You want to fucking everything. You want to take everything back. <laughs> you want to salvage everything. But yeah, if you, if you don't play it through to the payoff moment and get that feeling of accomplishment, you're, of course, not going to relish the activity the difficult activity that you were doing. You gotta let me know what the gameplay loop is. I don't even understand what that. You gotta is get right all now. the shit around back. Shooting stuff. You gotta and get all. The, and yeah, dying. exactly. Yeah, to get all. Yeah, the first thing is definitely get that force field so you can turn it on and not die when things shoot you. Uh, is absolutely. Uh, that's why they get. That's why it's the first thing you get in the game because it is, it is critical to enjoyment of the game loop. Otherwise, you die too easily, and it's no. You gotta keep going back and getting a new ship. I don't know if it's even possible to, to take it anywhere. It just weighs me down. I don't even think I can. We gotta get out. like a, a, a tactic for that is for oh. sure to like you want to like you want to get going. But this is why having the shield again is also critical. You can't do this without the shield. But like a, a good pro tip is you keep your shield on and then get. On the opposite side of the direction you want to start towing something, and with the shield on, 
start blast, get your bla- get like some inertia going, and then turn your shield off just as you're hitting like the limit of where you would latch on to tow. So when you start towing it, you're already going, and you have that inertia that gets you going faster. You don't have that moment of like trying to get going with the heavier thing towed behind you, you know? So this is a lot of startup costs to uh, figure out to be able to do things. I haven't I haven't argued it has that, but I will argue <laughs> that it doesn't have a payoff on the back end of it, that it doesn't feel good to play once you get going. It's a good game. I promise you it's a good game. It's rare. When does rare go wrong? <laughs> Don't tell me Captain Skyhawk. Overseas prospects is, <laughs> is, is is next. And the New Zealand story for the Mega Drive from Taito is the game here. And they described this this as an awesome avian adventure that you may have seen in your local arcade. If you have, you know that the gameplay is top-notch. In fact, among carts for American video game systems, the style of play compares favorably with Super Mario Bros., Psycho Fox, and Bonk's Adventure. So much like the Solstice ad, talking pretty fucking big here, I would say. And I did score the Japanese version of this to give it a spin. And what? Yeah, it's actually. So you found a cart called the New England or the New Zealand story. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the it's, it's the Japanese version. So um, it actually it will it will eventually be released in '91 as Kiwi Craze. That's what I ended up okay. after much research. That's okay. what I found and ended up playing. I'm like, it's not okay. out now, but I play I played up to World 2.1 anyway. Yeah. On, on that yeah, day. it's not, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's very cute. I can absolutely see the comparison to Psycho Fox, which is an SMS game, you know, and it, it you know, it kind of has that, like, I don't even, again, I, I, I've said it so many times, but I cannot put my finger on what it is that I find is a, just this visual commonality between Super, Ma- or Super, between Sega Master System games, uh, particularly the platformers. There's just something about them that I cannot put my finger on that I feel is a common thread just with the way they feel and look, but whatever. It has that vibe to it. And you control an adorbs little kiwi bird that escapes a group kidnapping a walrus, tries to pull off at a zoo and a little cinematic at the beginning. Uh, gathering the whole point of the game is to rescue those friends that he got away with. But yeah, I mean, it's I, I got like, you know what I thought of when I was playing, dude? Solomon's Key. Do you remember Solomon's Key? The name, yes. Yeah, you're a little, you're a little wizard. It's kind of like an action puzzler on the NES. You play a little wizard with a wand and you like got to break these bricks and... Yeah, it, it felt like that to me a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I still, even though enjoying it, I would say it's insane to call it Super Mario Brothers or Bonk tier action. Yeah, nah. I mean, slow and, slow and potty. Be... Too slow and potty. Yeah. It, well, I don't know. I actually went through the levels pretty quick, it felt like, but I also felt like it was way simpler than any Mario game. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't mean the. I mean, I guess a little bit. I mean, the pace of the game, but I mean more like you're jumping. It's kind of like this floaty, slow thing. It's not oh. as like Bonk and Super Mario are like I don't know. They're just more responsive, and this felt kind of slow and floaty to me. Huh. Which also Solomon's Key does too. So that's also where I got that. I mean, it could also be your whole Japanese version. I guess Cause maybe cause yeah. I, cause I, I didn't feel I didn't feel like it was like really like that. That I would be that. yeah. I mean, I did not try Kiwi Craze. When we get there, and I do fire it up. If it is faster per se, that would be very interesting that they made that choice to to change it for the American. That's market. what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I think they they may have. <laughs> interesting. I look forward to finding that out. 
Hot at the arcades next with four SNK cabinets burning down your local Aladdin's castle. And the first two are straightforward action battlers, magician lord, and ninja combat. I got the, the MAME ROMs and tried both. They look like archetype fighters. I would walk right by in an arcade. Great, <laughs> great graphics, though, and I love the opening cinematic for Ninja Combat. It's like this. It's got a haunted house with Asian flair set against the city skyline under a lightning storm, and the caption reads, That's the Ninja Tower, isn't it? <laughs> and, then, and then a couple of super surfer, surfer white dudes that somehow got a hold of Ninja Garb start talking shit about the house, and the one says, It's like a fortress, isn't it? And the other says, It looks more like a small hut to me. And then back to the first guy, he says, uh, Let's go, Joe. And then the other guy's like, I'm ready, pal. And then they jump off, and the fucking shit starts. So it's. I love how they somehow got their hands on some Ninja Garb. <laughs> Yeah, there's no way they have it legit. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, these dudes, yeah, they no way they're actual ninjas. <laughs> the latter two titles are sports entries. One is baseball stars professional, and then top player golf. And we get baseball stars on the NES where it's quite revered. So I figured this would be just an elevated version of that. I didn't need to fuck with uh, the golf game though. Does not make a. a um, at least that I found, does not make a, a venture to consoles. So I checked this one out also, and it's, it's a fucking great golf game. Visually beautiful, lots of personality, great digitized speech tips from your caddy. Just very solid golf game, I would say. Probably, if you're into golf, probably a lot of fun in the arcades at the time. And then there's an ad in here from Vic Tokai. Just when we thought we'd, es- we'd escaped this fucking game, the oh MAFAC conspiracy comes surging back to try us dragging, kicking and screaming into a game app on it. And fuck you, Vic Tokai. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Not doing it. No matter how many times you pay for this shitty ad for the shitty game, it's we're not, not biting. <laughs> stop, stop giving me cool different ads, trying to switch it up. It's not even. It's not. Nothing. They're not new ads. It's the same fucking ads. <laughs> so they, we can't even. We can't even give them the credit we're giving Solstice for a shitty game. They just like they're just That's fucking true. turning it out over and over and over again, hoping I don't know to lull you into a fucking submission. Like, <laughs> just what is it like? Uh, the amount of times you see something like higher impressions gives you more likelihood to buy kind of thing. Sure, like, sure. Well, just familiarity, right, brand, brand familiarity. This. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Subconscious brand familiarity, I guess, maybe, is a good gun in there. <laughs> yeah, not going to fucking happen. A number of NES ads we've seen and do not need to talk about to uh, get us to the adventures of GamePro Comic. And this is Chapter 14, Rad Gravity. And the featured game is The Adventures of Rad Gravity, another interplay developed action. This one's released by Activision, though. Title that hits us just in time for Christmas of this year. And I'd never heard of it. It's a sci-fi action platformer that doesn't have the worst Moby score, 6.5. So I had some minute amount of faith in firing it up. And did you play it? Yeah. Okay. It was weird, man. It was very, very weird. weird, right? Super weird. It's like it's got charm. And I can I can see some fans or like I can see there being some fans and kids where this randomly landed in their cart collection or a rental thing or whatever, you know, like randomly came to them in some way. I don't see any kid ever grabbing this out of an aisle themselves, but kids get no. games sometimes other ways. And I can see if that happened to you, there being some things in here that endeared you to it, but I don't think it's a good game at all. <laughs> I would definitely not say that. Yeah. I do not want to play it again. Thank you. Yeah, it, it has, and I'm guessing you never played these. 
but it had that commander keen PC platformer feel to it that just mm. it's just it's like PC platformers at the time at this time were just so far behind console platformers, you know. Uh, they all were like just floaty and goofy, the animation was bad. They didn't have the scrolling, screen scrolling stuff down yet. It's just, yeah, it felt it's very like stiff, you know. Yeah. It's not good. The comic has Todd meeting Rad Gravity himself, which is like this space superhero figure uh, in the game, uh, and kind of working with him in it. Um, yeah, I didn't even like. I'd never heard of this. The when I, I'd forgotten that they just call the chapters the game. So when I saw chapter 14, Rad Gravity, at the top of this comic, I was like thinking, I didn't think that, I didn't know that was that. I was like looking for the name of the game and I was like, well, I can't find the name of the game. Like, oh, Adventures of Rad Gravity. Oh, it's the same. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I'd never even heard, like the phrase didn't even mean anything to me. I had no familiarity yeah. whatsoever. So shit job by Activision, I guess, <laughs> to publish it and, and market it. We have ads from Sunsaw for Gremlins 2, the new batch, and Data East Battle Chess break up the four pages of comic goodness from Francis Mao. And they also credit an art director uh, slash co-plotter named Michael Cavish this time, along with Francis. And I don't recall having seen that previously. So I looked him up. He's on LinkedIn, so I checked that out. And this is one of the founders of the mag of GamePro that's now doing this art director role. And... He describes his role while at GamePro as follows. I was responsible for all aspects of the brand development, magazine design, marketing, and manufacturing. So he did everything. Michael did All everything. the things. Michael did, yeah, Michael did everything. If, uh, if you're reading GamePro, Michael did it. Uh, so he's been <laughs> running his own. Many talents. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Yeah. A uh, man of probably one of those, like my uh, ex-girlfriend wrote about me once I found. Uh, uh, a jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> a little bit of third-party condescension. Has been running his own marketing consultancy firm. This guy has Cavish and Cavish since 1987 with his sister Kimberly. So that's what Michael's up to these days. Uh, anyhow, Todd teams up with Rad for seeing a couple of goons steal Rad's main gadget in the game, a CompuMind, which is basically his spaceship's AI. And the Darkling's mercenary stalker pops Rad and assumes his identity at the end. And while it seems impossible to me Todd couldn't have seen this based on the context that it happens in, the implication is it he's that that stalker is doing this with the intent of deceiving Todd and capturing him later. So I, we checks uh, out. Yeah, we hang on with bated breath, uh, seeing how that plays out. And then there is a two-banger from Asmic we know all too well before a new spread from Bulletproof Software for their NES and Game Boy iterations of a game called Pipe Dream. Pipe Dream. Yeah. This is a port of LucasArts Puzzler that did well on PC compatibles, dropped on the NES back in September, so we can talk about it as a game app if we wanted to. <laughs> but what it actually is, in my opinion, is a digitization of a really old-school board card game called Waterworks. Do you remember this? Hmm. Uh, no, I don't, but I, I feel like I've played this type of game before or seen this. Maybe it's just this exact game. I don't know, but I, I instinctively knew how to play the game. <laughs> I think you, I bet if you Google Waterworks, the board game, I bet you'll remember this. I think it was Parker Brothers, I want to say, and it is a hundred percent percent something that I recall various elementary school classroom board game caches 
having yeah. like is in every one of them you know uh it's probably super cheap it's just some card games you can probably get it rolling super fast rather basic but yeah you're basically it's just cards with different types of pipes on them and you're trying to you know, like straight elbows, tees, et cetera. And you're trying to make a safe route for water to flow mm-hmm. through. And it's a, a fine game, I would say. It's highly rated. Probably plenty of fun to play at the time if you like puzzlers. But there, yeah, nothing cooking for our purposes, I don't believe. Um, I don't think you could do a game up on this under any circumstance. <laughs> That's all I was saying. It, it's, it's a blast to play. Like, I feel like I've played a couple times now in between. I just, we just haven't had a time to talk about it yet. But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to play. But I, I don't know how. We I couldn't exactly. I didn't. Exactly, get it. You were able oh, to really? immediately figure it out and get. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I feel like I played it a couple weeks ago, like thinking it showed up in another episode or something, and so I like I played it, and I was first like, wait, how does this work? And then like it took me a second when the water spilled over. I was like, oh, I get it now. And so right. then after that, I was able. To yeah, I wasn't. I, I wasn't able to figure out how to. Like, turn them or anything, I think. I don't think you can turn them. So I would okay. end up just, like, putting them random places. And you just put them out of the way. To try to, like... Well, okay. I would be like, all right, well, in the, I hope I can use this one in a couple moves from now. Oh, yeah. Kind of kind of it's a few moves ahead. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I wasn't able to get successfully engage it. But I, of course, didn't try for that long. I'm not an idiot or anything, Jay. Shut up. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the ad is an elaborate contest where you have to cut out pipe tiles from the mag and do some pasting it into the right place and then calculate some kind of score and then mail all that shit into them to enter the contest. And the attention expectations of kids 1990 were so, so different, basically. Like, there's just no way to me that you can get a kid in modern days to do this shit. But the- I don't know. I don't know. I think I think my daughter, like, if you... If you- Gave her a prize that she wants. She might be like, uh, yeah, let me do that right now. Let me, go, like, let, let me go get my that. glue stick. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the grand prize is a trip to Seattle to tour Nintendo Ooh. HQ and visit the Space Needle. Music 2 from Pipe Dream on the NES. And we are now talking Hollywood Video Hits. This is a 10-page special feature on games licensed from big screen movie properties. And those are always so rad. Oh, joy. Uh, Artwork is cool, at least, I guess. At minimum, watercolor illustrations of all these game characters we'll get into here. They start with Gremlins 2, and so did I. And... Maybe I've never played this game, Jay. Like, I told you I remembered it with some level of affinity and, like, that it was revered. But it all looked completely unfamiliar to me, playing it. Uh, really short but great opening cinematic of Gizmo being let out of a cage. Stellar music right from the rip. Exactly what you'd mm-hmm. expect from Sunsoft in those departments. And then the gameplay was good, I would say. It is, like we said, top-down platforming, like fucking Dino Ricky, but way better feel. And the like, the platforming hitbox in particular felt considerably more forgiving, but not in a handholdy way. You know what I mean? Like it felt good, but not you know too easy, I guess. And it was definite uh, Fester's Quest vibes for me. 
Yeah, well, I mean, stunts off. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna yeah. feel that for sure. Yeah, I agree that the but the top down feel is certainly. If, if you'd have had platforming in Fester's Quest, yes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, jumping makes it such a different feel. But yeah, yeah, the movement, the attack mechanics, your cute little tomato projectiles you start with all felt really good. There's some kind of economy you can engage with the old shopkeep in the movies. You find these one-time doors in the stages where you can go into his shop and buy shit, and yeah, pretty pretty good. I I I discuss game mapping this for sure. I would say. Agreed. Yeah, MSRP is forty-seven ninety-five on that bad boy, and Ooh, then we almost fifty bucks. Almost. Well, that's. Like I said, we we get a little higher for NES, but yeah, that's that's definitely getting <laughs> up there. The uh the. LJN's Back to the Future Parts 2 and 3, and maybe the just the worst. I don't know. There's something about that just makes my skin crawl. It's just so bad. that Both parts, you know, just like, I don't know. It's terrible. Movie's good. But this game, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, so yeah, you got that and Mindscapes, Days of Thunder, and these are shitty, shitty NES games we've discussed already. They distract us from something new coming up. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and it's the MSRPs for both these are, for, or sorry, not for both. Uh, MSRPs for Back to the Future are forty four ninety five, too much but not ridiculous. And then Mindscape MSRP for Days of Thunder is a totally delusional fifty four ninety five, and that is just unbelievable, yeah. sir. Yeah, absolutely fucking insane that they think they can charge that for that video game. <sighs> The new thing that they were in the way of is Dick Tracy, but not the interesting but blah NES iteration. This is the Sega of America developed and published version that is packing some heat with 16 bits. And it hit at some mystery time in 1990, so obviously fair game by December-ish that we're getting with this mag uh, is, is hitting at. So uh, it's, again, no MSRP because it's fucking Sega. But this is a side-scrolling action shooter brawler hybrid, so a very different deal than the NES version. Uh, which was kind of, I mean, it did have side-scrolling action beat-em-up things, but you also had that top-down driving-around shit and a lot more of this, like, fine clues kind of metroidvania e stuff that was, I liked the systems of, but the gameplay in was so bad. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I did fire this up. The way you're looking at your screen suggests you did not. No, I just realized I played the NES version. And <laughs> there. Yeah, no, this is the just no. Just now, like it didn't. I realized looking at the artwork, I'm like, mm, "This is definitely not the one I played. Like, definitely not the one." I played. Yeah, it looks infinitely better. It looks great. It has a lot of like good looking setup sprite art shit that you they go through before you get into the game, and the gameplay itself, like it's got that you know like large kind of altered beast sprites thing going on. But the gameplay is kind of a bummer, man. It also, very slow in plotting. Uh, it's still Dick Tracy. Like, there's yeah. nothing you're gonna. Yeah, no, about. the IP. It's I don't give a shit Dick about Tracy. the IP either. No, of course we. Yeah, we've had our, <laughs> we've had long diatribes about that. But you know, if if uh, you got guns and it actually gives you two guns, you have a Tommy gun and uh, a pistol in this. So you know, if, if the gameplay were good. I could get past the IP being something I don't care about. Uh, there are plenty of good Genesis games I'll play where the IP underlying does not mean something great to me. Uh, but yeah, this so this has it's fucking interesting, dude. It, it has a a very interesting two plane aspect to it that is not completely new. I believe Moonwalker had a somewhat similar idea. There was like when you go over that. Remember the the stage in Moonwalker where you're on the highway. 
bridge or whatever, and you could jump up behind the, like, onto the highway, basically, and then also on, like, this catwalk next to the highway. Like, kind of that same idea, but they're further spaced out. Like, the back plane is, like, at the buildings in the background, and you can't go back there. You never, you can't leave the front plane, but there are enemies to shoot and engage with in the back plane. And the way they do this, like, you get, so on, on the, on the, on the front the forward plane, you get enemies from the screen edges that you shoot with your pistol, the A button. So one button does that, as well as enemies that come out of the buildings and cars and stuff in the background that you shoot with your Tommy gun with the C button. So you have a different button for each gun, right? And can shoot them at any time. Okay. And the background shooting shit happens at a 45 degree angle to like give you this perspective thing between the two planes, you know? So it's a cool idea, but you don't have any horizontal control over the gunfire. You basically, wherever you're standing and whichever direction you're facing. So if you're facing forward and you hit the C button, he shoots the Tommy gun angle or Tommy gun bullets at a 45 degree angle to the right. And if you're facing back, like to the left of the screen, to the screen left, and you hit the C button, he shoots the bullets at a 45-degree angle to the left. So what this creates is you can only shoot in one specific place on the background wherever you're standing. And the way your sprite controls in kind of this, like I said, slow and plotty way, Mm. it's hard to get yourself to line up cleanly with what you want to be shooting in the background. And it did not feel... That's a big no. Yeah. That's a big no. Yeah, it did not feel fucking good, unfortunately, because I think it was a good idea. They just couldn't carry it out well, and that's a a bit of a bummer. Yeah, I I couldn't even come close to being the first stage as a result, so I don't know. I wasn't able to engage them. But in the mag... It talks about their shooting range, mini games after the stages, and the those are usually pretty fun. It makes me think of RoboCop on the NES has these, and they're really cool. Uh, just mini games again between but the stages. RoboCop is cool though. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best part of it. Maybe. Uh, I, yeah, I don't. I don't even know if the mini games themselves. I'm in, I'm infinitely more interested now to play RoboCop. <laughs> mini games where I'm popping up shooting things. Like yeah. No, I mean it's 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 cool too. The mini games are especially applicable in RoboCop because I don't know if you recall the movie well enough, but there when he goes to the shooting range, it's part of the, like the fun and game sequence in the middle of the film when he goes to the shooting game with the with the his partner and they're shooting and he's like fucking just perfect every time you know things, so, yeah. yeah so it's that exact like they they, they do an incredible job of capturing that actually like the exact same targets like everything looks exactly the same it's really cool uh even though that game is not the greatest <laughs> um so everything else in here sucks shit we have dirty harry we've talked about how horrible that is there's indiana jones and the last crusade which is not the one not I wasn't able to immediately discern it. I had to kind of poke around and fire it up to, to tell, even though it's not out yet, uh, to even realize it was not the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is the one we already played, which is this really terrible top-down platforming deal. Um, also not good. But And then Total Recall, too. We've said how much that sucks. The Mindscape also wants fifty four ninety five for the awful Dirty Harry game, which is way worse. Wow. Yeah, it's wow. way worse than the fucking... Days of Thunder is terrible. Uh, not terrible. Days of Thunder was bad. 
Dirty Dirty Harry is horrendous. Like, and there's the, no way. Yeah. Like, what audience are you making this for? Like, kids don't care about Dirty Harry. Yeah. That's not our. Ge- that was not our generation. And you're going to make it that expensive. Like, yeah. who are you marketing this to? Yeah. Like, no. Again, like, uh, the, yeah, it's just out of touch yeah. shit. There are people sitting in door, you know, boardrooms, and it's shit they're familiar with, and they're just like grasping at straws to license things, and they're just like, <laughs> Dirty Harry. I watched the Dirty Harry movie once. <laughs> yeah, like Dirty Harry. Yeah. Yeah, like he's a, got guns. Yeah, sure. Yeah, guns, but get yeah. a goddamn grip on fifty-five bucks. Uh, yeah, the Indiana Jones games actually doesn't drop till ninety-three. So this, I don't know what happened between fucking nineteen ninety and nineteen ninety-three that took. You know, I don't know. Just like they found it in the back of a closet or something, and they're like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> Nintendo's about to go fucking about to go away. We better fucking get this out of here." Yeah, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a, it's at least a side scroller as opposed to that top-down shit that the. Sorry, Temple of Doom, not Raiders of the Lost Ark, sorry. But the, yeah. um, so it is side-scrolling, but it's fucking terrible. It's absolutely terrible. So we are not going to play that in 1993 either. <laughs> <laughs> no. A number of full pagers interspersed through this 10-banger, but the real humdinger is for the NES, or sorry, for the December 1990 FCI release of Ultima Four: Quest of the Avatar on the NES. Oh and gosh. this is the next chapter after ISOH side quest favorite, <sighs> Ultima Exodus, and it's finally on your Nintendo Entertainment System power players. Get hype. Are you hype, Jay? Josh. Tell us how Josh. hype you are for Josh. Ultima 4 being available on the Nintendo Entertainment System and opening the door on the possibility of us side-questing this video game. I want to stay right now in front of everyone on this day. Categorically, I will never, ever, 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 ever play this game. What if it's really good? Ultimate. What if every single Lord Disciple on the Facebook never. page after I posted this ad said what a great game it was? What if every one of them said what a great game it was? Everyone, there no was not chance. one bad word said about this game, and engagement if, if, was high. If 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 an entirely different development team created this entirely, if there's one person that's the same between the last version and this person. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not about what people say. You got to give me facts. Like if, if a completely different team, if the Final Fantasy team came over and needed to do something different, I don't because like working labor conditions weren't good. <laughs> like and they made Ultima this one. Okay, maybe it's definitely like, it's definitely it's FCI team, again. It's definitely <laughs> FCI again. So it's the same developer. And no. yeah, I don't know <laughs> if I can't remember. You definitely can't remember because you didn't beat it. But I can't remember if they had development developers in the credits of Exodus or not. I'm willing to do that research though for sure, just to see. Because <laughs> uh, I, 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 all in all genuineness, I I have the same curiosity now that you say I didn't think of it before. But if there is some difference that could explain why it is so much better. I mean, I think maybe just the game underlying game that they ported from is also better. Like I said before I think this one even outside of the NES versions uh, is just better regarded because of the morality system that they introduced. And that being, I think maybe the first time that was ever in a video game, the idea that you like, cause that's, this is the one that opens at least when I dealt with it on the master system version, when it opens up, you answer all these questions and go through this stuff that kind of like establishes a moral compass for your character, you know, uh, I mean, there's some binariness to it because it's fucking an old video game and you're just answering multiple choice questions. Uh, it's not probably as much of a gradient as you would really like for something like that. But for the time and where we're at with that kind of idea, it was pretty forward thinking, I think, you know, and, and that 
might be part of it, that it's just this new system that okay. no one's ever had never engaged and it probably some kids really grabbed, you know? But one new idea is great. But yeah. even a broken clock is right. <laughs> so, I, don't know. I think that I mean, that kind of sounds like Tommy and Tommy Boy trying to fucking spit out <laughs> a, a fucking head of a butcher's ass thing. I don't know if that's wood, applicable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm much more interested at this point in spending RPG level time going deeper into the franchises that I have not played further in. Dragon Warrior, Final Fantasy. You know. Well, we're not there. We don't have either one of those at our at our uh, available fingertips yet. Well, I'm saying we were in both of those, so like both of those are great, and we're absolutely like I'm absolutely. Well, we're in Ultima. Also, it's already Jay, decided. I mean, no, we're not. We're not. We left Ultima. <laughs> we decided that that fantasy land was not worth spending fantasy energy, and that that energy should be directed elsewhere. That that was the the group decision. Yeah, I yeah, it's, I, the battle <laughs> system's got to be better, right? It cannot be that boring and fucking repetitive. It's got to be the battle system. There's just got to be so much that, for it to be really well liked. It's got to be so different, I think. So yeah, I, yeah, I'm super curious to know about the that developer thing. And define well liked by who? Like two, like two said, disciples? Dude, no, dude. The, well the engagement liked. was pretty high in that. There was at least. I believe you might have told me something similar about the because I posted that same. I I posted that same Alec Baldwin GIF. On every one of the, with you tagged in it, on every I one know. of the positive comments. I know. And there was at <laughs> least four or five of them, for sure. So I don't remember how many specifically. But again, there was no... Just because the five people who were forced, forcefully <laughs> right. given this cart they're the, and had the, and no the, yeah. choice... That's what their game they had to play. Right. They're they're the made what, the best of the situation. It's like when I was stuck playing Atari and everybody else had moved on to Nintendo. Right. What's the sometimes you just gotta make do with what what's you got. What's the like, psychological fucking theory call you know, the Stockholder Stockholm syndrome. They they mm. you know, the fucking they it it, <laughs> it just seared into them and they just can't help but like parrot positive things about it whenever someone says the word Ultima because of the horrific traumatic experience they had. They like <laughs> instinctively just like Ah oh, Ultima's great <laughs> Like I spent so many hours and hours trying right. to figure out this damn game. Yeah. You know. I love this headline in this ad. It reads, face the new challenge of Ultima. No previous experience necessary. And probably preferred, or you might have already killed yourself, is what I thought of when I saw that. <laughs> There's a seal of quality-like graphic in the bottom right that reads, sequel to Ultima Exodus in the center, as if that's some kind of association. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah it's like some kind of like... association worth boasting about. It's funny. Funny as fuck to me. And then they also, they say they tout over 100. They did this for the last one. I think we saw this for the last one. They're doing it again, now that I think about it. Over 100 hours of game time is also touted in that bullet point. And whoo, buddy, is that a lot, no. of, lot of game time for... No. Like I said, it's, I don't think it's... I, I think they're just fucking making that up. I don't think that's any sort of any sort of factual basis. And there's been no fucking you know, field testing where, on average, gameplay through that game has taken more than 100 hours of actually enjoyable gameplay experience. <laughs> you know, there's just no way. Uh, but it, it's a funny thing to put in an ad in 1990, I think, because it's so far beyond what the expectation of a oh gameplay. Oh my gosh, man! Why? Why? Play through would take. What are you doing? What are you doing? So yeah, man, all that chiding behind us, this one is supposed to be far better, and there's, they say it right here, there's an 84-page hint book that came with the game that we could use as supporting literature of antiquity if we side-quested this. 
So what do you say, Jay? We drop everything pod really immediately. We stop right. We don't even do the next game episode. We just put the whole podcast on hiatus <laughs> until we play through Ultima X, Ultima whatever it's called for. <laughs> no, I got a, I got a thing. I got a thing. <laughs> check my schedule. You know the way it's set up. I don't know well, it's on our yet to be side quested list now, so it's not going away as at least a topic of conversation. We we just had the conversation. <laughs> we had a conversation. We had a conversation. We did not have the conversation. Move, move the table, definitely. <laughs> a couple new Hudson Soft full pagers close this section out. One for a '91 release called Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom, and the other one that dropped this month called Jackie Chan's Action Kung Fu. And this is a little interesting because Jackie Chan wasn't a thing in the U.S. yet. That's a household name now, of course. But that didn't happen until the rush hour, the first one of those, hit in the States in 98. Uh, he had been working. At, yeah, it kind of surprised me to see this. I expected that he was just mostly uh, a Chinese actor at the time or, a, a you know, working in China. And he had been working his ass off for ever prior to that dude like he had plenty of u.s credits throughout the 80s but headlining a video game here in 1990 even with his resume at the time i would say seems a little odd to me but whatever the case i was pleasantly surprised when when i fired the game up did you play this one dude so i knew exactly who jackie chan was oh i knew like, he was yeah but, but bruce lee was the serious one jackie chan was the goofy one in 1990 you knew who jackie chan was in yeah i knew what i knew who he was but like i didn't Think he had his From own what? damn game yet? From what? What? My my family was big into kung fu. And oh, stuff. really? Okay. I, so okay. I knew, but like in, in kung fu movies and kind of all that, even the Japanese stuff and all the stuff were, that you had to use subtitles for. So I couldn't do my so my, like, my boy TC in high yeah. school loved kung fu. They would always want to smoke weed and watch kung fu flicks, and I'm like, I, I, can't, <laughs> I cannot. It's so bad. I can't even begin to enjoy this. The dubbing so bad. Oh man. Anyway, but yeah, I. I, uh, outside of that specifically, I was still freaking shocked that he had his own game at that point. Cause yeah, to your point, I feel like his American true fame didn't come until later. Yep. So I was very surprised, but yep. the game was actually fun, man. Dude, Big, I was kind of blown away. In this game, like very cute, but like also easy to play, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's got, and there's power ups. Like what is happening? Yeah. Just like I was talking about. Well, I, I have my finger on this one. I think about about understanding what I'm trying to communicate with this than than the master system point I was making a little bit ago. But it occurred to me because it kind of it does absolutely have the Adventure Island feel, like the NES version or the NES Hudson Soft releases all kind of have this common visual thread to them. I think also this feels very in mechanic and in art style, very in line with with Adventure Island. I, I would say, and yeah, it's yeah, it's a little cutesy. But the controls and hitboxes felt pretty fucking great. Like, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be, probably anyways, jazzed about a game app on it. But if you locked me in a room with nothing else, I wouldn't hang myself immediately, for sure. You know, it's like, it's playable. It's 100% playable as a game. And I did not expect that. The, did you get through, how far did you... How long did you engage? I don't know it? how far I, I don't know how far I played, but I played for a little while. Yeah, I got so. to like that bonus stage. You play the bonus stage where you jump through the clouds and shit. Yeah, I did yeah, that. Like that, that was, was yeah, that was interesting. Like the it's got like a little bit of an economy thing going on with the you get those right whatever you buy some shit like yeah it just I was it, like there's a lot going on. With yeah, this game. well you see that because it's too funny. We'll talk about they they have an ad later too that's this has the same problem where it's even more prominent and funny. But the ad is like 
it's English to the max. There's like terrible. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's all <laughs> sorts of typos and bad translation shit on it. And it just oh, looked man. horrific to me. So I expected to turn this on and just be like, Oh my God, this is going to be horrific. But then yeah, I was pleasantly surprised and yeah, way more engaged than I, I expected it to be. So good on Hudson soft, especially too. Cause yeah, I, I those adventure Island games. I do not like at all. So you know, even even more negativity going into it that I was surprised to overcome and enjoy myself. A high-octane two-banger for TV sports football and the Turbo Graphics gets us to our first pro view, four pages on Capcom's Mega Man 3. Just has everyone has opinions and an asshole. They also have a recommended boss order here in this in this pro view. They suggest Top Man, Shadow Man, Gemini Man, Needle Man, Snake Man, Magnet Man, Hard Man, Spark Man. And I don't know the game well enough offhand to have any opinion about this order. How would you weigh in on that, Jay, as a Mega Man 3 connoisseur? Does that wait order make sense minute. to you? <laughs> wait a minute. I'm like, wait a minute. Where's that order again? Hold well, on. it's 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 not. You got to just. It's going to. It's like spread out over the whole thing. He takes you through it ah. over the whole thing. So you're not going to get a perfect list, unfortunately. But it was Top Man, Shadow Man, Gemini Man, Needle Man, Snake Man. Magnet Man, Hard Man, lastly, Spark Man. I mean, I guess I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> Acceptable. <laughs> Acceptable. That's funny. Yeah, it's like everyone has like the... It's good order. It's like, it's you know, order. this is how it's supposed to be done. And they'll give you like a, you know, a reason why. Like, of course, there's some basis. Oh, just that gun kills that thing faster. Sure. But oh, yeah, yeah, for like really high level. That's the general. Yeah. High level Mega Man players will try to tell you certain things that even go beyond that too, as the reason to why you should yeah. do a certain order. You know, so I thought it funny that they had their own opinion. You here need too. this weapon to do yeah. this thing in this one stage. Right. Though. Precisely. You can get this one pickup, this extra energy container if you have this weapon, even though it maybe isn't applicable for the ball precisely. Yeah. Yeah. They hint at the idea that some robot bosses from Mega Man Two. See, and like I don't, I guess I've never beat this game because I don't remember this at all, dude. They, yeah, that some of the robot bosses from Mega Man Two, and don't even tell me, I don't even want to know because we're obviously going to play this at some point. Might be waiting for you after you take down these eight new ones, and if that happens, that is cool as fuck. That would be cool as fuck. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, so yeah. So yeah. I also don't recall that Doctor Wily had supposedly got himself on the straight and narrow and teamed up with Doctor Light for this chapter of the Mega Man story. So that's kind of fun that they are kind of flipping the narrative on its head. I'm sure there's some level of betrayal to be found in that, uh, given the expected complexity of a Mega Man game story playing out. But cool nonetheless. And they give this a scorching 96% on the power meter. All fives except a mini knock to challenge. And that's a four. That's madness. <laughs> yeah. That's madness. There's another but one I, later. But I, I, can, I can understand. I can understand. Because it's... I played this within the last five years through the Mega Man collection. And so I played it, went all the way through the stages, all through all the robot bosses. Freaking Megan or Wily's castles, freaking tough, man. Like I, I definitely, there's as definitely a point where I was supposed like, to be. oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So I could see how they try to balance it out. Like, all right, you know, maybe coming from two, as long as you have those skills and you're able to kind of get through it, and you really like the game, you get through the bosses. But then, like, about eh, definitely balances out once you got to go on through Wily's the castle. Sequence. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel about the first one. The first one is like all Wily's castle difficulty. I mean, like I can I can kind of blow through the 
robot bosses, but the robot fucking bosses. castle is a beast, man. Wasn't easy in two either, I recall. That fucking part with the dragon, the very beginning of it, I think, is a tough, oh, tough yeah. memorization. That still takes some time. Yep. Again, I, I played that also in the last few years. Same thing. I was like, oh, this freaking dragon, man. <laughs> I forgot. Yep. So the MSRP is fifty four ninety five. If uh, Mindscape wants some perspective on what a fifty five dollar NES game actually looks like, here you go. <laughs> if you're not if you're not touching Mega Man, don't don't come. Yeah, get out of here with your fifty five bucks, shithead. Uh, they're not quite to Jay's, or we're not quite to Jay's Atari Corner yet, but they do interestingly work in some seven eight hundred full pagers here with one of your favorites on the NES. Uh, Alien Brigade and Akari Warriors. The artwork for Alien Brigade is tight, I would say. I love that fucking crazy, that illustration. Like, yeah. Whoa. And it also looks like a light gun title. I didn't even know the 7800 could roll that hard. Tell me about your Tari light gun experience, Jay. Did you have a light gun? Zero. Are you kidding me? I didn't even know that was a thing. And actually, I take the back. I heard that was a thing, but I definitely... Did not have one? It was not a pack-in no. thing? Okay. No, definitely was not. Whenever the, When it came out, it was kind of like, I don't really want a gun. I, I, I couldn't tell you... <laughs> I couldn't tell you what. What do you mean? What, what fucking kid for? doesn't want a gun? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, but I'm saying like at, at the point where a gun, a light gun, came out, it was after Duck Hunt and the Nintendo and all that. So it was kind of like I'd rather would have a Nintendo than get get a gun for my existing system. Atari. Like I'm I'm already making do with the Atari as is. Like I don't want the we're like Nintendo, but we're not anymore. <laughs> I'm all set. I'm all set on that. Yeah. I'm good. There, I don't man. want to be any more depressed. <laughs> I just want to. That's fine. I'm good. I'm playing my freaking version of Akari Warriors over here. Sadly, just let me leave me alone. Man. Okay. So no experience with Alien Brigade. Uh, fucking, yeah. No. Uh, Matt Ghoul <laughs> popped in on this one when I posted it. And it, I, I think you saw it. Yeah. He fucking basically said that that's the, the, the lowest frame rate of any fucking game. <laughs> game after game. <laughs> That's fucking great. So Atari. So Atari. <laughs> Natsumi Shadow of the Ninja gets two pages next. And fun Cracker Jack fact early in the copy here. This was Natsumi's very first NES card. I don't remember having seen that before. And just walking up to the plate and pounding a 500-foot dinger into the parking lot on the very first Major <laughs> League at bat like this is really impressive on Natsumi's uh. behalf. So... Good fucking job for them. The only real criticism they offer up here is towards the end, and it says one minor hang-up is the noticeably sluggish transition between dialogue screens. Mm. Uh, what? <laughs> like, like if that's like, if that is your only criticism for a game, the proper way to handle yeah, it man. is to just shut the fuck up and move on. <laughs> that is not like, if that's the only thing you have bad to say about something, especially a 1990 NES video game, you just go, it's great, and you get to the next topic. <laughs> you know. that, that sounds like uh, you're not allowed to not have something. Like, you got to give us a comment. Right, right precisely, yeah. Pros. Yeah, like, it's like the editor. Yeah, otherwise, it's not going to look in, like, it's gonna not, not going to look unbiased. Right, like, precisely, yeah. I love that rationale, yeah, for sure, that it's, like, literally the reviewer just, like, putting the middle finger up to the editor, like, okay, <laughs> if you want some bullshit? Here's some bullshit. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a... I love that rationale. The MSRP is an incredibly reasonable forty-four ninety-five, in my opinion, and they award this a five-four-five-four-five on the power meter for a cum of ninety-two percent, right in line with our double blessing verdict in our game ep. So, good on him for that score. Dragon Warrior Two is up next. Two pages for that, and a very odd thing I noticed about this pro view. 
It has the video game or video power game show logo up at the top. That's like I noticed that immediately. And well, one does that did that ring a bell for you? Did you notice it and it did ring a bell? Okay, Not well, it's I immediately I see this and I immediately know it to be the game show. So I start looking through all the other pro views in the mag, trying to see if I see this anywhere else, you know, and. My assumption was that, oh, they must have featured this game on the show. Maybe there were others, but no dice. This is the only one. And then the writer is Johnny Arcade. And I was like, that name kind of rings a bell. I know that name. Right. That's the host of the show. That's the host of the game show. And yeah, sure enough, yeah, it's a stage, stage name of him. So I guess he's doing guest spots in the mag as a reviewer now as some kind of cross promotion. So I was thinking, Oh, they must be affiliated, but I couldn't find any written confirmation of that. So whatever. Uh, either way, uh, digging into Johnny arcade as a person, his real name is Stevie Paskowski, who he, he's managed to keep working here and there in NYC over the years. He's an NYC based actor. They he is a lot of kind of like, what I would call staple NYC TV credits. There's a Louie credit. There's Elementary, the Lucy Liu show, uh, Blacklist, which is a big show. It's been running forever there now. He has got four Law & Order appearances mm, as nice. different characters. So that's, you know, again, that's that's like, like I said, it's the the white whale that got away that I never, I didn't, I didn't log before I left and kind of bummed me out. That was, that was the one that <laughs> I felt you're not a real New York actor unless you can score one of those law and order fucking credits because they, you know, they don't really, I mean, you know, this is over 20 years. So he has these multiple appearances and they really like you. Sure. It's the same cast and directors, but uh, they, they are really good about new people. They want fresh faces for those shows. So they were always very good about, you know, getting, one of your first credits uh, as a Law & Order credit was always a, a very sought-after actor thing. So the game show was taped at Kaufman Astorio Studios, which is where a lot of big-time NYC TV is shot, or was shot. And a mildly interesting recounting some guy wrote about his appearance as a contestant on the game show. When he was younger, uh, I, I was able to find, and he cited that he when he went, when he appeared on the show, he got to see the Cosby Show set while he was there. And, uh, yeah, it's not a bad read, I would say. It's somewhat jaded <laughs> uh, perspective uh, of this kid, this guy's recounting of being on the show. So the link to that's in the show notes if you want to give it a read. Um, so, anyhow, the Video Power Game Show, this was by far my favorite video game show as a kid. Do you? I don't even know if I, I'm not sure I've even heard of it. Like, I know there's random video game game show I, I've seen, but I couldn't tell you what the name of it was. This is the one. So there's a lot to this, actually. There's there's a lot of layers to this. So this is the one where the winner of the episode got to run through the maze, grabbing as many games as they could, and they hold and or Velcro to their modded laser tag outfit gear, you know? They would, like, the games had Velcro on them, and you could stick them to yourselves, your helmet included, you know? And they would also just be holding shit in their hands, you know? And it's, yeah, super interesting to hear the guy recounting that part of it, too, because he he got, he won and got to do the race, but didn't win, and the producers let him do it again. So, you know, again, it's all for TV. It's not at all real you know interesting so yeah he because they, they, he didn't win whatever i think it was a genesis maybe that he was 
supposed to uh, get, and yeah, he didn't win it. So did he get to do it again? And then and win, win, yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what the fuck he's salty about. What the fuck? <laughs> like, no matter what else happened, like, what are you salty about? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So interesting though, but yeah. So so this yeah this it started. They did I think two seasons with this Johnny Arcade dude, and then they rebranded it, and that was the one with that red-haired guy that I think was more better syndicated and was actually one that I saw more of. Like this, maybe part of why I remember this part so fondly on top of that maze thing where you just get to stick video games to you, which was like, just like, I don't know, fucking seared into my memory as like an incredibly desirable thing to have happen to you. (laughs) But I think part of, it's like Darkwing Duck has this feel to me. You can't do this on television. Has this feel to me. I've talked about how I didn't have cable as a kid. So there's a lot of things I didn't get to see. And I only have memories of being able to watch them at someone else's house in very limited amounts. You know what I mean? And I think this show was something I saw at someone else's house mm. just like once or twice. And, you know, never got to see it again. So you just have like a, a stronger like, ah, kind of feeling for it, you know. But I feel like I got to watch the other one, which is, it's the same host who did Funhouse. I don't know if you remember that, that kid's okay. game show. Of course. They like, run oh, through yeah, the obstacle course. That. Yeah, that same guy uh, is the host of like their rebranding of this video power game show. That sounds yeah. about like why I would have seen it too. Like at my cousin's house or somebody with like all those extra cable channels. <laughs> all of a sudden you're like, what is this? Yeah. Like there's a video game show? <laughs> like uh, I've seen it like twice and never saw it again kind of thing. Yeah. Anyways, the Dragon Warrior 2 power meter rating in here that Johnny Arcade dictates is 72%. And they give three play threes for gameplay and sound, fours everywhere else. And that kind of nets out to very close to the 74% Nintendo Power gave it. So I guess that's fair. Uh, even though maybe I don't exactly agree, there's no MSRP provided. Unfortunately, I would like to know what a a big R- RPG was going for. But Hudson Sauce Mental Palace is next, getting a 72%, just like Dragon Warrior, which is a bananas thing to do to me. They <laughs> give it the same score as Dragon Warrior. Uh, they wedge an insane color dreams ad in here too. They are claiming to be giving away 5K in cash and 550 free game carts but no explanation whatsoever of how that is going down is provided. And I find that to be very suspect coming from a company that does nothing but put out total dog shit video games, you know? So Right. Free game cards is probably like, hey, choose between 300 available Atari games, 100 available Commodore games, yeah. I don't, well, I 30 think available I think they're Mega only doing, Drive games, I think they're only and like doing, 25 Nintendo games. I think stuff. they're only doing unlicensed Nintendo games. I, they're definitely only giving away their games, of course. And yeah, I think oh, they were only doing NES ones, uh, as far as I know or can recall. Are you but, sure? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think they're, they're... It says for play on Nintendo, Sega, Genesis, oh, really? Atari, okay. Links. I stand corrected. I didn't I didn't notice that. So, yeah, that's crazy. Because uh, I didn't know they made... Oh, my God. I kind of... That depresses the fuck out of me, Jay. I kind of thought we would be... <laughs> like, as we got away from Nintendo, which, you know, isn't happening for a while still, but I kind of at least thought that this company would go away when we got to the 16-bit era. The idea that we'd have to fucking deal with them even longer depresses me. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we're not going to play into their games either way. Who cares? The <laughs> uh, Next is Sunsoft's Journey to Silius, and this is a 4495 MSRP and a 68% power meter score. One little quote here 
is Journey to Silius features great graphics and a dynamite soundtrack. However, in terms of substance, the game doesn't quite live up to the way it looks. And that is from mm. Andromedia, is the reviewer name, and I think he's nailing it there. I think that's exactly how I felt about that game. That it's like interesting and cool and like it's sunsoft, so it you know, it looks and sounds great, but the gameplay just kinda meh, you know? Yeah. It's not up to standard. Yep. Solar Jetman is back after that. It is forty nine ninety five MSRP and a seventy six percent on the old power meter. Very reasonable numbers in my view on both accounts, and supports my never ending quest to push for a game app on this. GamePro CT Asian has a well worded summation for this as well. It reads: Solar Jetman is not as fast paced as most NES titles. You'll do more. Exploring and maneuvering than fighting aliens, but it's a lot of fun, and many of the worlds are expansive and maze-like. You'll take hours to explore them. With all the weapons to choose from and the different atmospheres to test your flying skills, Solar Jetman is a real blast. And like I told you, Jay, it's not about shooting shit. It's about exploration and working your upgrade trees. And that is cool, but you got to get into it to engage those. you got to get into it to engage those. You can't give it your fly-by-night, bullshit, (laughs) toe-dipping... Taste testing fucking uh, treatment that you're giving it. And that's the problem. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so that is it for NES Pro Views. Time to level up to the 16-bit room with Genesis titles, first of which is Game Up alum Philios by Namco. They give it an 84%. Damn. Game Pro nice. made Marion really telling us to go fuck ourselves about that double no blessing verdict we dropped on it uh, when we did the episode. The Genesis does what Nintendo campaign continues with another three banger next. Nothing we haven't seen in here yet, but it is a notable talking point that Pat Riley's basketball drops December 31st. And I forgot at this point in my read through that this was the November issue. So I had it in my mind that it was December and that meant that we could play this. So I played it and we're going to talk about it because it's, you know, our podcast. Who cares? So, <laughs> so yeah, let us finally discuss this long-teased basketball title. You have it behind you right now, so I'm assuming you have something to say about it. Or wait, is that? Yes, okay. that's correct. I, I realized looking at it that I could also be looking at Lakers versus Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, actually, I think yeah. the sprites are a little bigger and more gangly, probably, I would say, on Lakers versus Celtics, if you really parse yeah. that. But whatever. I don't know, man. This is... Hey. Hey. Everybody listen up. This is a really good game. Okay. It's a really good game. Okay. Uh, no, they, they actually have shot meters, like multi-angle cut screens. Yeah. Like, it's not it's not bad as far as b-ball games go for this era. Like, keep in mind, earlier in the issue, I played all pro basketball. Horror. Yeah, with, with the constant, like, um, freaking, you know, the, the viewpoint change. Sorry. Every time oh, that's the so bad. Yeah, the way it switches when you oh change gosh, when you pass like, half court. That's like that might be like the worst oh. sports game design choice I have ever I can think of in any video game ever. It's so bad and so. And at the same and at the same time, I played a bunch of that as a kid. So like once I got used to it again, I was like, "Yep, I remember doing this all the time." But then to go from that to this, like to actually have shot meters and I'm actually able to move around and do things, I'm like, "Yo, this is a good freaking game right it's now." Not like, yeah, this it's is not an bad. Immediate man. upgrade. It's not a dumpster fire. It's also not great. And I think you were saying that there too, but it's by no means the the, the benchmark for me for dog shit basketball of this era is Magic Johnson, fast break, tear shit. You know, uh, to be honest, yeah, and it's funny to me you like it too because you love this game, and I very much thought of Double Dribble 
for this. It's oh, like, double dribble. Yeah, was great, it's a but six, it was like, it's... sixteen bit upgrade of double dribble in every way. You know, like the, the, <laughs> like the normal gameplay is exactly like it. That side view zoomed out thing, yeah. and there's a lot of yes yeah, cinematics in it. Dunks from both the front and from either direction on the baseline. So it's you know you can get different dunks and. The way it does those dunks is not just a, you've executed this cinematic. It's a moment of, at least if it's contested. I mean, it, they do have open yeah. ones. If you're open, you can do it. You still got to do the meter, though. You can brick a dunk. No problem. <laughs> if you're, if you're you gotta not focused. Yeah, if you're not engaged. You know, so you can't, you can't just fucking zone out for the, for the cutscenes. But if you have a defender or if there is a defender and you're the offensive, offensive player, both of you get a meter and you can... I don't, I don't even know – I don't think I was ever able to block something, so I don't exactly know what the success state is. But you each have a meter, and yeah, based, I guess, on how close to the middle, maybe whoever wins that, I don't know, you could block it or dunk on someone, which is fucking awesome, you know? Yes. So that shit's really cool. And then even – I mean, even some of the – like the three-point – like there's a three-point cinematic where you're – they cut to a top-down view of the rim, and you can see the ball either going through or bricking, you know, from this alternate view, which that one's kind of disorienting, and, and I don't really think, you know, playing this game a lot would I'd be like, fuck off with this. But <laughs> uh, it is a cool idea for sure, and I, and I certainly get why they're trying to do it to, to give it some, you know, visually stunning aspects. But, um, but yeah, man, I don't know. Generally, the controls and the zoomed-out part are a little blah. It's like it's very easy to lose possession. Like there's too much stealing. I think that's not. Uh, it it hinders the flow of the gameplay. How easily both you as the player and the computer can steal the ball. I felt and passing is still kind of aimless. They haven't worked out a way to like highlight mm. someone and pass them. So you can't really do elaborate passing flowcharts. You know, it is just kind of like. You can easily throw it to the wrong person, and the only way to reliably do it is throw it to an open person, you know. So that kind of sucks. And the jump shots, I kept traveling, too, with jump shots. I wasn't able to exactly. Oh, at first, yeah. You're, yeah. I, I, same thing happened. Yeah, a little, little goofy. <laughs> same thing. So, yeah, basically, I'm still looking forward to Lakers versus Celtics. But this is one that I had never played, and we had been kind of whatever. And I will, yes, agree that it's it was better than I expected it to be, you know. Yeah, uh, that's fair. And that digitized Pat Riley on the title screen. Great looking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Really great. The Genesis does add, has the full library page again at the back of it. So there's a ton of titles in there, or a ton of titles in there, rather, that we haven't played yet but might want to. Castle of Illusion, anyone? Bueller? Mm. Bueller? Castle of Illusion's Mm. on there? We get to New Game Pro ad next, or a New Game Pro ad next, and they're advertising some new branded tip books here. The two shown are Hot Tips Sports Games and Hot Tips Adventure Games. And the covers specify each has titles for Nintendo Genesis Turbo Graphics, all three of them. And yeah, you know, I kind of thought, I was like, I don't know, I'm kind of torn whether that was a good idea or not. Like, it's in line with the brand of the magazine, which is multi platform, which makes sense. But I also feel like a dedicated book. Like, most kids aren't going to have more than one, you know? So you're either yeah. getting a bunch of shit that you're not going to be able to use. Not either. You're getting a bunch of shit you're not going to be able to use. <laughs> for the price if you, of the If you book. got, like, a Sega Master System or something, you're screwed. Like, you're going well, to if you have, yeah, they're not even, it's not even, they're not even covering that anymore. Which, you know, or we'll talk Genesis. about that later. Well, even if you have a Genesis, like, compared to Nintendo, you know? 
compared to like what's going to be covered with Nintendo. Like you just yeah, it's, I'm, sure it's, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure it's less. Yeah, the Nintendo no question gets more coverage. Uh, I didn't think, and I'm kind of surprised I didn't because I'm a psychopath. But I actually didn't think to download them and take a look through them. Uh, well, it's funny too because like the the second prize or grand prize is Topographic 16. Like I wonder how much. Topographic 16 action you're going to Right, yeah, if, if they because you know. there has to be some sponsorship, or you would think there's some sponsorship going on there from, from NEC for sure, yeah. So maybe there is more coverage than you would expect for TurboGrafx, which would be funny. Hmm. I like how it reads, available now at finer bookstores. Like, you have to be a finer bookstore to, <laughs> yeah. to carry these tip books. Yeah, so yeah, that contest, they're giving away 10 of them, too. That's fucking, you know, that's... A lot of that's know. a lot of fucking four hundred dollars systems is what that is <laughs> for the time, and yeah, there's also a shit ton of NES games for first and second prizes, and you know something that really bugs me, Jay. The grand prize in any contest is literally the first prize. You can't call the second prize the first prize. The grand prize is the first position prize. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, I hate this. Happens a lot too. This is not like an isolated problem with just this contest but every time i see it it bugs me <laughs> like it should be grand prize and then second and third prize it shouldn't be grand prize then first and second prize that's not right yeah, it's like wait yeah. i get the first prize i just get some games so yeah. that's not i, didn't get the well, I just hate the titling of it i get whatever they want <laughs> i care less about that but it's, i don't like the way that fucking is described Thanks for coming to my TED Talk about grand prizes. Uh, that big two-page Genesis licensee ad that we've seen before, 17 companies have earned the right to display this seal, follows that, and then another library page with 17 games, all of which we've talked about. But there are a few good ones in here that worth are worth still considering for sure. A lot of shooters. This is, this is that ad that gave us a whole bunch of shooters we didn't expect. Uh, Whip mm-hmm. Rush was one with an uh, interesting shooting mechanic, and you had to move the gun orientation with one of the buttons to shoot shit while... Moving independently. Maybe, yeah. maybe that was Hellfire. I don't know. There were so many of them I can't recall. Maybe Hellfire was actually that one. But either way, multiple shooters in there that were good. And the next pro view is also one of the shooters we liked. Hot Beast Thunder Force 3. This is the one with the Phoenix chasing the ship and the artwork. And they give it a pure incinerate 92% on the power meter. The, uh, the fours are sound and challenge. All fives otherwise. And the MSRP for this one, finally, because it's not Sega of America Publishing, as I said, we finally get a Sega <laughs> fucking price, and it's fifty six ninety five for for this cart. So I fired it up to remind myself, and holy shit, is this game good, dude? Did you remind yourself of this? Yes, one I did. It's Absolutely. so good, dude. It's like it's fucking Life Force on steroids. It is a beautiful game to look at. There's so much shit going on, and it's all moving so fucking fast. Like you get to change the way the weapons work oh yeah the upgrade tree is great yeah no it's i can change if i want to go in front or front to back and yeah yeah, it's it's really good no i really like it (laughs) yeah yeah i got my i mean i don't i think it's i was surprised you like it i I was like prepared to have to skip this one because there's no way you're gonna like a flying shooter of any type no no, this one it's so good i'm not any good at it like i don't (laughs) think i could like i blew I, i couldn't beat the first stage like i i think it would be very difficult for me to get through but it looks so even getting blown blown to smithereens feels good because of how, <laughs> how good the game is you know it, it uh, definitely does have some nice games you codes if i recall it's good to have a safety net the get the slow-mo is the game pro reviewer here and the wind-up paragraph from them cites this challenge as well so it, yeah it's it's uh very odd to me, you mentioned earlier how on Mega Man 3, the challenge being the one category that gets knocked. Here, to me, it's crazy that it's it's 
one of the categories where they're knocking it a little, you know, so, hmm. uh, but otherwise giving it a 92%. So whatever, they're probably just picking numbers. The, <laughs> uh, yeah, power-ups nonstop, major differences all felt fucking positive to me. The, uh, I really like the, this is also the one with the really cool stage select screen where it's like, a you pick a planet with targeting crosshairs, you know, yep. to decide yep. which stage to play. And even like, even that's well done. It's not just kind of just this, Oh, you're playing now kind of thing that most of those games have. Yep, very good. A brooding Sunsoft NES Batman full pager I don't recall seeing yet precedes another new ad for that brilliant proto Gamefly video game, game club company. And oh this time, God. the Rhino is parachuting down with his little portable TV on its own parachute. And the tagline is, uh, or rather the blurb, the Our Promise to You blurb is a bit scary if you read this. It says, we sincerely value your business. This is why our researchers and buyers closely monitor the rapidly changing market to ensure that we provide you with the latest and greatest video games available from Nintendo, Sega Genesis, TurboGrafx-16, Acclaim, and it's spelled A-K-L-A-I-M, so it's not even spelled right. spelled (laughs) wrong. I get that that's how the word looks in in the logo, and for a while I used to think that. But it's their job to know the actual thing as a as a right. as a retailer. But they cite Acclaim, Bandai, Color Dreams, and others. So they're calling Color Dreams games the latest and greatest, and suggesting that they have those games in their library. And that's important because you don't get to choose which games you get here. They just send you shit. So the idea that they're even in the ad calling Color Dreams good. And telling you it's something that they value is a scary aspect of signing up for this, <laughs> in my opinion. Dude, this, to me, they're just saying they make, they have every game ever made. <laughs> it says, if Nintendo, Sega, or TurboGrafx makes it, we've got it. So I'm like, wait a minute. Can we get a fact check? So any of those games that exist, I should be able to call you up and be like, yo, this well, game, a, do you have that game? They don't, they don't, well, if you want to buy it from them, you probably can. But it, you don't get to, at no point does it decide... Or tell you that you get to choose what it just shows up in your mailbox. You know, you don't get to choose the oh game. My gosh. Uh, at least as they describe it here, it would be awesome. Yeah, if you fucking like got a form at the beginning of the like when you when your new game came, you got a form to choose for next month. That would be dope. But they've never once said that's the case. So my assumption is they just send out whatever they have in stock. You know, like like I said, oh. to me this is almost certainly a, a mom and pop video store that thought of a really good idea for getting rid of back. Uh, that's terrible sh- shit that they have that they can't move uh, at retail level you know <laughs> so cool idea either way but kind of shady wow <laughs> I tried the three T16 titles that they have pro views for here Ninja Spirit Psychosis and Legendary oh. Axe 2 they give these bad boys kind of insane scores 92% for Ninja Spirit and Psychosis a first one is a ninja options action platformer and uh, to be honest it was kind of very shadow of the ninja I would say and then psychosis was a cool but plain Janie looking flying shmup and then then legend yeah and then legendary acts 2 gets 82% and they were all all right but the scores are a little bananas to me I don't think any of them were definitely not 92s 82 even is probably a little high for me for legendary acts but they all look pretty good cuz they're fucking turbo graphics of course. Yeah. We get a couple of Game Boy puzzlers next, and then it's time for the segment we've all been waiting for. Jay's Atari Corner. And your your face says it all. Bro, how sad did this make you? 
that this is Jay's Atari Corner. They've completely given the 7800 the cold shoulder. There are zero 7800 Pro Views to be found herein in the mag. And they do have a Lynx Pro so. View for a port of arcade hit and alien shooter xenophobe, but that can't possibly strum your Atari strings in the same way, Jay. Are you kidding me? No. It's this. Yeah. It was done. This is the, the sad, the lowest point where it was kind of just like, well... It's done. Like, I guess, I guess if, it's if you, over. If you don't have a Lynx, like Atari is just done. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm out of the ecosystem. There. <laughs> there's nothing worthwhile coming out. That's what we're saying. That's a story. I'm just sticking to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's that, that's your that's your expectation then that the, the they're done with 100%. Atari shit. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like at this point, like, and we'll see it in the pro news report later. But like, we're talking about. Super Nintendo coming out, and I'm like, oh my gosh. You know what I mean? Like, Nintendo, not only is Nintendo still coming out with the hot stuff, Super Nintendo Mario 4 is coming. Like, I'm, you know, like, it's, at this point, like, I got to get that Nintendo. Like, <laughs> got to get out of here, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm getting it for my birthday, right? Right? Yes. Okay, good. Yep. Okay, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. There's no SMS titles reviewed either in here, so time times are mm. a-changing, you know? Oh, yeah. Times are a-changing. After these messages, we'll be right back. Beware, something exciting is coming to video games. Gremlins 2, the new batch, the video game from Sunsoft. Help Gizmo battle the menacing Gremlins. But it won't be easy. Because this game has awesome graphics that seem to come alive on the screen. Gremlins 2, the new batch from Sunsoft. Don't say we didn't warn you. That is a 1990 U.S. market commercial for Gremlins 2, obviously. I love that Gremlins music. I sing that shit when Miyagi is really wilding out. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, fucker's ears perked up and looked at me. I feel like I should go watch that movie. Uh, I tr- Actually, I got on a little kick where I watched the two of them recently. I nice. watched both movies, probably inspired by this fucking magazine. Uh, yeah, two's funny, man. Two's weird it's like uh it's very (laughs) different yeah it's It's overly meta it's like really self-aware it's bizarre um bizarre movie in a lot of ways the first one's like very straightforward it's like a very oh yeah uh makes it just makes more sense to me like the second one is like really they did that's (laughs) strange (laughs) uh so we're starting here with swat hot tips tactics passwords uh, to get us rolling with the last segment of the mag. And most notable thing here for me is they have the in-game codes for both the original Metal Gear and Snake's Revenge. So it's a solid mm. snake palooza. Uh, but that was kind of it for me as far as these. There was not anything tip-wise that was really interesting to me. No, same with me. I mean, I, I was glad to see they had the crate trick for Rescue Rangers, a game I love. But okay. otherwise... Yeah, that game. Yeah. I don't. Um, I don't mind it, but there's nothing like I don't remember it well enough for like a specific tip to right. like get my get my blood flowing. New ads for old games interspersed through that. We have Hellfire on Genesis and Super Off Road and Dragon Spirit for the NES. And that Off Road ad with the four kids in racing suits is fun. I thought. <laughs> then it's Ask the Pros, and I love the Batman question. 
on level 5-2 in Batman, how do you beat Firebug? I've tried everything, but nothing works. Is he impossible or what? <laughs> <laughs> Is he impossible? Yes, we feel you. We feel you. It can feel like that sometimes. Uh, you got any critiques for that Mega Man 2 Quick Man cheat sheet there? Speaking of Mega Man uh, critiques? No, it's fair. I mean, that makes sense. Okay. Short pro shots now. First one is Arch Rivals, a basket brawl on the NES. And that's from Acclaim. Drops in November. Oh, brother. Yeah, so fair game. So we're just getting basketball games galore. I guess it makes sense. Back Basketball starting in October. And the, I remember this game really fondly. And I actually picked up the Genesis port last summer when I was in Tampa for work. So this is kind of on the mind for me. And yeah, I find that I, I really love these kinds of less serious takes on major sports mm-hmm. when done well, especially back then, because, of course. you know, the games already weren't perfect one-to-one representations of the sport. So yep. taking those shortcomings and just turning them into fun, arcadey things was... a is, That was the know, way to go. That was the way right, to go. Yeah. Between this and, like, you know, NBA Jam later and stuff like that, like... Mutant 100%. League Football for me was the... that, that nice. I love that game. It's so fucking good. So yeah, this is great though, dude. Basketball plus beating the shit out of each other without any dickhead officials taking issue with it. It's just it's just fun. The I love the the team select music here. Picking individual players with minimalistic personalities is also fun, in my opinion. I'm always <laughs> I'm, I'm hard on Mohawk for this game. I love I, okay. I always I always take okay. Mohawk. And the uh, the gameplay for the NES iteration is not otherworldly or anything, but it's still a lot more fun than any other NES basketball title, in my humble opinion. I would say even Double Dribble. I know you like that one, but I like I think Ooh. this is better. And once once I got used to it again, it was just as fun as I remember. Like oh yeah, like immediately knock him down and grab the ball. But like you only got like two dribbles before yeah. you got to get rid of it because they're gonna come and knock yeah. your ass out. And yeah, it's not even get, yeah. like, that. Sounds simplistic, but the way it works. You know, you gotta you gotta get that arm back so you're running with it the whole time, and like you 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 it, you know, the change of direction is a little it's it's balanced right where you can't just do that constantly. You can't you know you're trying to because yeah. it's fun and that's the that's the good way to play. Defense. You're not just spin moving back and forth to get away from you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, it, it feels good even though it is like yeah this highly destructive form of defense. You know that, that could <laughs> honestly what it could turn into is what I was describing with Pat Riley. Like the, there's too much stealing. It's too much back and forth. It doesn't feel the way basketball yeah. is supposed to feel. Um, like, yes, basketball is a fast paced back and forth game, but. It's not as hard to retain possession as that game suggests, you know. And this one is probably also less easy to retain possession than basketball should be, but you have that arcade yes, justification for true. it, you know. Yep. So it, it makes sense in this context. Uh, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Genesis 1 is, of course, better, but this is pretty good. EA has the NES port of the Immortal dropping this month as well, and this game is wild for the times, dude. It's a really graphic, violence-laden, isometric dungeon crawler. I but, bet you loved it, didn't it? I bet oh, you loved it. I, I mean, honestly, I love the idea I of it. <laughs> the NES iteration can't hold a candle to the Genesis version that I, oh, okay. you know, I'm sure I, I saw this, because this gets, I think, in the next issue of Nintendo Power. If we haven't seen it already, I can't recall. But there was a, a feature on this in the NES, uh, 
Nintendo Power. So I knew of the NES version probably before I got hip to the Immortal on the Genesis, which is, like I said, is a far vastly superior. And I don't think I ever got a chance to play the one on NES either. So, again, for that reason, I don't have anything for it. But my buddy David Camargo got the Immortal for Genesis. And I remember first, this is like before I had the Genesis, and this is when I was like, him getting it first was like 100% what led me into wanting a Genesis and getting one eventually. So he had this game before I, I think he even had a Genesis. Okay. So yeah, seeing again, if, if, if did you diddle with it? Did you play it? Yeah. The one for Nintendo. And I'm yeah. Like, so you know, saw how graphic it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like card, you're cleaving fucking enemies in half and shit. <laughs> like on Genesis, that of course looks way better and holy shit. Like, yeah, it just blew my mind in, you know, uh, graphically, I guess, uh, at the time. So, yeah, I, I you know that's why I, I knew you loved it. I was yeah. like, Josh loved this game. Yeah, for sure. It's honestly, it's I will admit, even the Genesis one, the gameplay is a little that like the the grid you play on doesn't feel the greatest, you know. And the battle stuff is tough too. It's like I don't with more time. I've never really. I mean, I've tried to play this game because of yes, this affinity for it. So it's not that I have not given it any effort. But I think it ta- it's a little bit of an uphill battle probably to get good at the the battle system. It's a little weird. You like cut to this like close up one on one thing, and it is kind of real timey. But you ha- and you have these but you have these meters and I don't know. It's this weird hybrid between hitting a button at the right time and just. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. The battles are a little weird and a little not fun, and the game is very punitive. You like you just fall in random pits and shit, and like shit just pops out and kills you. You know, it's very Sierra fucking point and clicky and kind of like how brutal it is with the the death stuff. So, I think it's probably a tough play from a modern perspective. But it is very again for the time it was just so mind blowing graphically that I have like this deeply rooted affinity for it. Uh, speaking of shitty basketball games, Game Tech has one dropping in March 91 that licenses the Harlem Globetrotters IP, and it's not out yet, so I didn't even try to play it, but oh my god, did the screenshots look bad for it. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, it looks so bad. Game Tech, I've never even heard of you yeah. as a company. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not. Game Tech, they no, have no. some, I'm trying to think what, a, they have some games that are not bad, I think, at this time. I feel like Well, you know what they actually else. do? You know what I'm thinking of? <laughs> Game Tech does the all those fucking game show the, the Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy ports. That's who does. That's who I'm thinking. Oh, of. really? Yeah. So I don't know if they have any good games to be honest with you. Hmm. Those are not bad for what those are supposed to be, but you know those aren't good games, obviously. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's funny too because we were just talking about how like Harlem Globetrotters as an IP has the potential to be that arcadey thing we were talking about. You don't have to take it as serious basketball, so you can maybe do some Right. Of all the games, like that should be like Arch Rivals or something else right. should have been re- should have been branded as like Yeah, Harlem yeah, Arch, Arch Rivals branded like you know? with a fucking World Harlem Globetrotters tie-in would have been dope. Yeah, that's a cool oh, idea. Man, yeah. Speaking of retro things we should do. <laughs> it's probably again licensing though even for both those titles and acclaim video game property and Harlem Globetrotters, getting both those as an IP is probably not the cheapest thing. <laughs> yeah, lose a lot of points at the top. Yeah. Like. 
rest of the NES and Genesis titles either aren't out yet or have been out and we've already dove deep on them. There is a full pager for a magazine I'd never heard of called On with an exclamation mark. And it's a it's a video audio computer tech mag reviewing the latest stuff coming out in those categories. Mm-hmm. And who gives a shit about that? But it jarred a memory for me that was that was a cool memory. Do you remember the Crutchfield catalog? The Crutchfield? I'm thinking no. It was a home stereo equipment catalog that was everywhere when we were kids. Oh, I think I know. What yeah, you're we about. used to. This was a thing. You know, these are the kind the, the kind of catalogs that got sent out. They, get, they were in everyone's mailbox, whether you like asked for them or not. You know, so kids could get their hands <laughs> on them. And you know, in like middle school ish, late elementary, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, like stereos were kind of becoming an interesting thing. And I remember like. I told you before, I built my own woofer and shit, you know, like a a car, like a trunk car, eight inch car speaker. I like built my own woofer with a cardboard box, you know, and like I remember using for the stands, using my little brothers. Remember those colored wooden blocks, the play school wooden blocks? The blue one was the square one. I remember stealing those from him to create the little stands to put underneath the box so the woofer could play into the ground. Nice. <laughs> crazy. So whatever. The point being, uh, stereo equipment is a, was an, an interesting an interest for that age bracket of kids, at least when uh, for me. And yeah, I remember this was the kind of thing that like a kid would bring to school, and everyone at the lunch table would be like looking through it and like talking about the cool ass receiver that they want to get, and like you know, oh whatever, yeah, yeah. five hundred yeah. watt fucking whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, so I, I that's it was a cool memory to me to that this jarred. <laughs> Oh, man. There are tons of shitty game company ads through this stretch, but Culture Brain has a two-banger for both the NES and Game Boy versions of Little Ninja Brothers. And actually, you know what? This is what I was thinking about earlier when I said the bad English stuff was this ad, not the uh, the Jackie Chan game. So I... I correct myself now thinking about it but uh so yeah this is the, the it's a it's a two-page ad for both the nes and Game Boy versions of this game little ninja brothers and this seemed new to me so i fired it up to see what their ninja options were like and did you try this one jay <laughs> i absolutely did not try this game dude this uh, this ninja options just immediately you turn it on the title screen gives you two options and two options only to choose from one says RPG, and the other says field meeting. And I've never been so piqued by a title screen maybe ever, because <laughs> what the fuck? Field are, meeting? Yeah, what kind of what options is, are those to choose from? What does from? that mean? Yeah, not game start, <laughs> not sound test, not options, not continue, none of those things. Just RPG and field meeting. Like, okay. The fuck? I thought this was an ad, and I just kind of skipped past this. I was like, this is a big ad. Yeah, it looks like, the, yeah, some kind of, I agree. I agree the ad list just looks like bullshit. Like I said, like, the English is terrible on it. It looks like it must be horrible. So, again, I, I apologize to, what was the company of the other one? Hudson Soft. I apologize to Hudson Soft for thinking that they were the ones putting out that terrible ad that I had in my mind. But So, the RPG mode is a full-on RPG, dude. It's Final Fantasy Dragon Warrior-style top-down overworld map. Random battles, castles and towns to go into with shops and NPCs and shit. The battles are real-time and top-down action, though, not turn-based. And dare I say, not horrible. I kind of enjoyed myself while doing it. (laughs) And it looks like the, you know, just the overall look, graphics, whatever, are a little below par for Final Fantasy and even Dragon Warrior, I would say. But it might be playable. This might not be a bad RPG mode. So... 
the idea that there will be so that you chose RPG, not field meeting. I got there. Get like. there, Jay. I, I'm, I'm I'm a podcaster. I do things the right way. I don't do things half-assed. I try. Every, I, I explore all fucking. I cover all territory here. So yeah, the art. Just the fact that that exists on the cart, that RPG part, and that there's something else is insane. I think just insane. But yes, the field meeting mode is a really weird ass track and field like mini game thing. Like. Yeah, it's very track and field. Like there was like a, the one I did was like a, you're like sprinting against someone. There's a, a top and bottom player. Each of you get a half screen showing your track, and you got to like run along and pick things up and like win a race. Yeah, it's I don't even you know insane, just fucking insane. I don't even know what to say. The idea and like, I don't know what bearing winning those races could possibly have. On the RPG portion of the game. So I don't think they're necessarily tied in in some sort of no, development way. This is just says get together for, like, it's a completely extra and completely independent feature. Okay. Wild. the main gameplay. Crazy, crazy choice. Crazy game design. Wild cartridge. Wild cartridge. <laughs> and like I said, the RPG mode did not look terrible. Like, it might actually be kind of interesting. I don't know. Um, I don't... It, probably not good enough to actually engage for side quests, which is where it would have to happen, man, but... Again, much like that other uh, one we found from Capcom, just like I'm so into those games, the idea of just just <laughs> finding one that I didn't even know existed is crazy to me from this era. Pro News Report is the last major stop in this issue. We got the the first report is about Super Famicom's U.S. rollout and some software licensee announcements. Woo! Yes, the summer '91, or rather, summer '91 is the expected release date according to reliable sources as they say. And the same reliable source says the name of the system in the U.S. will be the SFX, so maybe not so reliable, this particular source, because uh, that's not what it was called at launch. The launch titles they mention are pretty accurate, though. They mention Mario, F-Zero, SimCity, and Zelda. And Zelda wasn't a launch cart, but it was well known to be in the works yeah. now and at the launch of the system, so I don't think that is uh, too far off the mark to warrant some sort of criticism. Super Mario 4, are you kidding me? Let's go! (laughs) For sure. There's a chart showing some third-party licensee plans, but it's a weird chart. Did you look at this? It lists like every company under the sun, roundabouts, but only about 20% of them have any title or release date data associated with them. The rest just have NA next to the company name. So, like, why bother to put them there, you know? I don't know. Yeah, you could have just give us... Maybe they didn't have that much to write. Like, you could have just give us one table. Right, right, right. Like yeah, one, one column, yeah, not two precisely. columns. Yeah, we didn't We yeah. didn't need this layout at all. We didn't um, need to know that SOFL is not applicable. <laughs> right, like, yeah. And like I said, it's well, such maybe a large that means, number. Maybe that means they have a game there, but they don't know what it's called. I don't know, but it just says NA. Yeah, NA. Not so, applicable means they're not doing shit for it to me, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. The next blurb is about Nintendo changing their third-party policies, loosening the grip considerably and allowing licensees to produce their own carts. And uh, some copy from this. Nintendo's reasoning behind this dramatic shift in philosophy is that they don't feel the quality of the games will suffer if they're produced completely by the licensee. And that's not a reasoning for the belief. It's just a statement of the belief. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the kind of thing you do slash say when you're tired of someone bitching and you've run out of arguing power for some dumb policy you instituted in the first place is kind of how I read that, you know. So, fine. Give us some control, Nintendo. Good job. Right. Good job. 
After some dispelling of yeah, Konami's putting out ten motherfucker. Stop bullshitting us is what that. Is. <laughs> yeah. After some dispelling of rumors, SNK is getting out of the NES game. We get some clarity on that Johnny Arcade appearance in the NES Pro views. There is a partnership between the Video Power Game Show and Game Pro, and the big manifestation of this partnership is there will indeed be a Game Pro Game of the Week on the show and Game of the Month as well in the episodes. And they also confirm Johnny will have a monthly review column here in the mag. So. Oh, that's an ongoing thing. And then Sega CD is announced in Japan. The price is reportedly 40,000 yen, around 185 US dollars. And they tout its read speed will blow the NEC CD units out of the water four to eight times faster. This closes out a little EA Jazz, where Lakers versus Celtics is called by far the best basketball game to date on any video game system. So, wow. All right, all big, right. Big words. Yep, looking forward to it, as I said many times over now. <laughs> Culture Brain has another two-banger a little later to announce the, or rather, a comic book called Flying Warriors, and we have made managements with GamePro to run a comic book series on Flying Warriors, and this is what I was saying was another ad from the company. So the same company that did the crazy RPG and the bad ad for that did this one and yeah yeah we have made a management is a hilarious you know it's funny too what does that even mean yeah i can easily see that that is just bad someone did a bad job because what that is if it read tons of other or sorry if it read we have made arrangements with game pro which arrangements in a managements is very close you know so yeah so you can actually (laughs) it's someone doing a bad job of typography transfer you know oh my gosh just some bad handwriting reading or something not actual bad english but either way it looks pretty bushly so ripping to our next issue comes after a bunch more ads holiday shopping guide for handhelds joysticks controllers the good the bad the unusual they tease a bunch of games including specifically columns and moonwalker on the sms so sms has not gone the way of the dodo j but there ain't shit what about atari what are we doing yeah. Yeah, there ain't shit about Atari 7800 mentioned in here, so you might be right about that. That's told you, man. They also issue a retraction on the wizardry maps in this last issue, or in the last issue, rather. Uh, Floors 1 and 2 were labeled incorrectly, which probably has some kids on Suicide Watch uh, knowing how that game (laughs) is already tough as is. And if you're trying to play that game looking at the wrong map, (laughs) that would be really difficult, I think. over. Uh, warrants the retraction, but the month plus that the kids were trying to fucking make that happen for him was probably pretty rough. This page also shares an ad with my childhood Game Boy Light. This is the one I had, Jay. The the Illuminator, which is a fantastic name, I feel. And it, it shows how the light is on the end of a fully adjustable arm that can be angled however is best for you. Great design, I would say. Um, the last thing of note. And this issue is the back cover ad for a new Tengen NES game, Skull and Crossbones. 1990 release date, so let's do it. Play it. <laughs> did you play it? I did play it. This game was ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's kind of like we said with the Rad Gravity, uh, and you kind of said the same exact thing. It's interesting, but definitely not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... It's silly, like it's just I don't know, like it's different, but definitely not good. Yeah, definitely yeah. not good. <laughs> a ton of it, there's a lot there. I, I I was easily able to clock up. There's a bunch of inventory and economy systems to deal with, and some semi good graphics probably, but the moment to moment action gameplay is is really floaty and bad. That that list of I posted that list of 
hints that it gives you in like the opening sequence or when you're first starting the game, whatever it is. And some of them are pretty oh. fucking hilarious uh, copywriting. But um, again, that just testifies to the interestingness, not the goodness, unfortunately. <laughs> That is the title theme from the Journey to Silius, bringing us into the nominations. Rogue and also, Josh. new segment, new segment we started last time, the Da-da-da. issue power meter cum. So, Ho-ho-ho. yes, the cum on this issue's power meter was 82.22%. Ooh. Only NES and Genesis, excluding Turbo's Graphics 16, Lynx, and Game Boy. And that's quite a bit higher than issue's 15.76%, bringing our two-issue average on Game Pro... Uh, Power meters to 79.11%. So again, very like I, I actually have our our Nintendo Power cumes to date are uh, it's like it's I think 69% maybe. Dude, that that checks out because this issue felt like there was a lot of good games. Like I'm yeah, like this the nomination section is going to be interesting because I feel like there was a, I could be talking to a lot of games. There was just a lot of games and there was. A lot of hot games too, like you got Mega Man Three in there, where he is damn near perfect. Like you got, you got games like that. Yeah. Well, like I said too, in, in the thread, 180 pages. There better be fucking something in here worth playing. But yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I got, I got my list up to maybe seven or eight, and and I, I, I did take the time to pare it down to only three though, so we don't, we don't badger about uh, our choice here forever. But uh, go ahead and, and lead us off with this. All right. So. Kiwi Craze is not out yet, so that is the version of that game I played, so I will take that from, remove that from the list. Um, my list would be Ch- Jackie Chan. Figure out, let's get crazy, try some 1990 Jackie Chan action. Fun edition. Um, we got Mickey's Castle of Illusion. On I, I had that in my 7 to 8, but not in my final 3. Yep. And then... Gremlins 2 was on the list as well. Thunder Force was close. Thunder Force was on my top six before paying it down. But yeah, Jackie Chan, Castle of Illusion, Gremlins 2. Okay. All three of those were in my seven to eight, but did not make my nomination. So you were, I thought you would be wrong about, because you said there'd be no overlap. There would be no overlap. Told you. Told you. I knew it. I could just tell from all the games there. Well, your logic for that. I think you already stated would lied in the idea, and at the time you probably hadn't pared it down, so it lied in the idea of all the shooters. Uh, so it's funny to me how this plays out <laughs> that the reason for no overlap isn't that that I actually had shooters, oh. or rather, is because of that that I had I have a shooter in mind. So yeah, the shooter I have in mind is Burning Force, and as okay. I mentioned, I had Thunder Force Three okay. also uh, at one point, but I, I lopped it off. Uh, so yeah, Burning Force was the the water skimmer one that I played. Yep. And then I have Castlevania three on here again. Uh, I know you're uh, trying to talk talk against it, but it's I I think it's uh, again uh, it's kind of same thing with with Ultima when I posted that little the ad portion the the illustrated portion of the ad uh, the 
critical revere for Castlevania 3. People saying it's by far the best one and yada, yada, yada. I think that is a, a consensus view on it. And, you know, the fucking... The numbers are, are, are scorching. I think it's a great game and uh, would be a lot of fun to play. And then my last one is, you guessed it, Solar Gemin, because we need to play this game and you need to experience it the right way. Do you want to just concede that? You want to just Wait not argue? You want to just not Hold argue? Hold on. Hold and, on. You said Solar Gemin. Castlevania 3 and Castlevania 3 and Burning Force. Yeah, Burning Force, the, the skimmer shooter. I... You said Gremlins I, 2. I had like I had Gremlins 2, dude. I like, I played it and I enjoyed it, but by the time I I got I died. Where did I die? I got through that first sequence and got to the vertical stretch to that hallway. And it it had a like it's it felt like it was going to get a little samey. It felt like it had the potential to be a lot of samey. Uh, I didn't do a boss battle, I don't think, so maybe that's part of it. I'm, the bosses are probably being Sunsoft. It's probably Fester's Questy, like the big bosses that are well done. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'll admit I didn't do that part of it. But, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of felt meh to me. I mean, I almost... I had an odd amount of nostalgia playing. I did play Castlevania Three for this so I had like an odd amount of nostalgia playing it. So I'm like, I, I know, I know for sure I played this one, but it wasn't terrible. It didn't feel terrible. I mean, we could just say forget it and just play Ninja Turtles. Was <laughs> <laughs> uh, it? In I mean, but I didn't. I didn't play Burning Force, so I I'd be open to that as well. Like I, I have no opinion because I didn't play it. If you're if if I got if I got you. Be high level, high concept shit to include Solar Jetman to soften you on Castlevania Three. I love the idea of <laughs> me manipulating this. But uh, if I got you soft on Castlevania Three enough to take it, uh, let's just do it. I don't think Mickey's going anywhere, and I don't think we need to play Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, Castlevania Three. Oh my gosh! All right, fine. Let's do it. Okay. There we go. Castlevania Three. I love it. The disciples are gonna love it. Okay, word. So that is what we'll do next, and then we are right back here on the Game Pro Tip with their 1990 holiday issue, issue 17 to put a bow on the 1990 mag year in our timeline. So 1991 is coming at us fast, power players. Prepare yourself. Subscribe to the pod on the platform provider, whatever dumbest company that serves up your pottery. Please rate and leave positive shit for the pod on whatever podcast platform you listen if you enjoy our nonsense. The website is nyehentertainment.com forward slash isohpod. You can email us directly at isohpodcast at gmail.com. Follow the pod and banter with us on the Facebook page, Instagram, subreddit, and talk shit to us about our gameplay videos on the YouTube. Links to all those will be in the show notes. We do not have a Patreon, but if you like giving money to the thing podcasters tell you to, you would like to do so at our direction. The Able Gamers Foundation creates custom gaming rigs for gamers with disabilities. That's cool as fuck. AbleGamers.org is where you can find them. T-shirts are on the website. They're dope, and proceeds on those after pod expenses go to Able Gamers. We're wearing them right now. Jay's 
Socials is what it says in my notes. That means, Jay, it's time for you to tell me your socials. <laughs> Gentleman JB without the second E is my gamer tag and my social handle. Word. I am on Instagram and my Oculus tag is my shift key is broke. And I'm on Twitter at Josh Follin. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh my gosh, fucking solar chip, man. <laughs>